You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. All right, boys and girls. This week I have an extra long episode for you. Not quite as short and sweet as my typical fare. At about two hours and 20 minutes, I had on Monica Perez from the Propaganda Report, and David from the Morning Drive came on to have this conversation for at least the first hour. This is more along the lines of a Joe Rogan conversation rather than a short interview slash conversation like we've done in the past. So you may want to cut it up into pieces while you're listening to it. You may want to pause it and come back. That is more than fine. I just didn't think it made any sense to cut it into two pieces. So, this week, I talked to Monica Perez about conspiracy, about the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. We talk about the moon landing a bit. We talk about Assange and Snowden. We talk about the cathedral. We talk about all sorts of things. This, I think, is a good conversation to listen to. So, if you are down for it, I hope you enjoy this long stretch of conversation with me, Monica Perez, and David. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. I'll be your guide as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me today, I have a couple of the best people on the planet. First off, I lied. One of the worst people on the planet's on the show today. His name is David Derryberry, who I doxxed accidentally on his own show because he didn't use his full name and he never told me that that was a thing he didn't want to do. So, Jackass. <laughs> also today, we have Miss Monica Perez on the show, who is well known around these libertarian parts for the propaganda report and her daily drive time news blast which she just talks about the news for 45 minutes a day. And I, I think I'd kill myself at the end of the week. I'd, I'd make it stuff. one week. <laughs> That's why I drink. <laughs> Honestly, until last Wednesday, I was drinking because I had a broken tooth in the back of my mouth. And I don't know if you felt this pain, but it's not a good one. And it's one of those where you can't, you can barely think when it hurts. And so I got that, that bad boy ripped out last week. And now I drink for the fun of it. That's how people get hooked on Oxy. That's how I figured <laughs> out like not that. to take Lortab yeah. and drink at the same time. What's Lortab? Uh, what is Lortab? Technically? It's a painkiller. It's like, it's like a mixture of, taking. <laughs> it's a mixture of Tylenol and something else. I have the bottle around here. It's the something else I'm curious week. about. Okay. Yeah, and I yeah was don't drinking, drink and take any of that stuff. I yeah, I was I was drinking moonshine too. That was that was moonshine. really a fun that was a fun family game night, I tell you that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we must have a unique kind of family in my house. If we were doing that, there would have been damage done. Oh, it, it got rough. It got really <laughs> I rough. I believe it. <laughs> so one of the fun things is when I told my group that you were coming on the show. There's always that one person who doesn't know who who different people are. I, there are a lot of people I don't know who oh, they are. Oh, me too. Yeah, people like, always assume, and I just kind of fake it. And so I was like, <laughs> "Do you like, have?" Oh, any? yeah, I love that guy or gal. <laughs> and so I was like, "Do you guy? have?" <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, not, no, not this yes. time, but. 
he him please um <laughs> but no so the first question of course was uh ask her who is monica perez so i felt like that might actually be despite him being sarcastic a a fun question to start off with who is monica perez oh my gosh well i have to say in order of kind of time spent i'm basically the person who cleans my house <laughs> takes care of my kids and picks up the dog poop and shops and does a half-ass attempt at cooking food that my kids will eat. So I'm really, I'm a mom. And I was a, I went to, I, I had a weird backstory of, I dropped out of high school. Literally my father's like basically said many times, not like that going to school will just make you a socialist and it's a waste of time and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of believed him. So I dropped out of high school wow. and I ended up, yeah, I went, then I went to community college. I transferred to Harvard. I got a JD MBA from Stanford and I became an investment banker, but I was still me, which was very youngest <laughs> of nine. My Two of my siblings died of drug related incidents. So I was wow. not your typical Harvard, but I'm the youngest of nine. So these people were much older than I am. And not that I wasn't close to them, but it was, it's just a weird scenario. And I, so I'm very different from like that whole scene where I ended up in this Ivy League thing. I really just wanted to not be poor. And I didn't realize yeah. you had to be, you didn't have to be a, like an actual investment banker on Wall Street to not be poor. But I, but I, I went that route and I, basically met the only other person who was the guy, the, the only deadhead in my class at Stanford. <laughs> and we, I, I wasn't even like, we weren't even that compatible, but I was like, I guess we're, we, we're, we have to get married because neither of us is ever going to meet anybody in this crowd that we can hang with. And then uh, I ended up not working and just being kind of a stay at home mom, but my mind was just on fire. I just didn't have any, like you have a thinking job during the day. Being a mom is like the opposite of that. And I started reading, <laughs> of all things, Hans Hermann Hoppe. Oh, hey. And then, good. That's, I mean, not, not where most people start, but I mean, <laughs> I, know. I mean, Hoppe's good. If, and I was oh, like, unless, oh. un, unless you're someone who doesn't like Hoppe, then we're, we're racists <laughs> for saying that. Oh, I mean, gosh. I, start, yeah. I started with Calvin. So, I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah. So you go back. Well, I do have a good work ethic if that helps. But he, <laughs> so. I, I read the Hoppe thing and I ended up at a at a wedding where basically I was the only per me and one other person spoke English in the whole place and she was a radio producer. And I mean, as you can tell, you asked me one question, I've probably been talking for five minutes already. She's like, <laughs> Oh, wow. Could you you I know I got a job for you. So because I started talking about it's like, oh my gosh, just when I gave up on government and I just thought, oh, there's no hope for society. I realized society is self-ordering and wow, you know, it's just, <laughs> just like, okay, okay. All right, here's a mic. And then she, so she put me directly on the, it was the number one news talk station in the country. I just never had a podcast oh. or anything. I just started, I just go. And I did that for eight and a half years until recently. I basically just outed the coronavirus on February 8th and very quickly was asked to <laughs> not return to work because it's in Atlanta and it's where the CDC yeah. is and yada yada. So, but that was fortuitous because I've, last year I started doing a daily podcast with my producer on WSB and I, for me, 
he's my co-host on the show, Brad Binkley. And we just, mm-hmm. just dove in and we did 30 minutes a day. And then we started doing 45 minutes so that we could pay the bills after I got canned. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and it's, it's good. The premise is it's called the propaganda report and it's the drive time news blast. It's every day, but the propaganda report, because my, the way I look at it is every single thing you're getting out of the mainstream media is there for a reason. I'm not saying it's all not true. I'm just saying it's all there for a reason. And if you think of it that way, you can figure out the reason a lot of times. So it doesn't really get boring because you have to listen to the news if you work or whatever. You just have to know what's going on, I guess. I hate it, but you have to. <laughs> and why bombard yourself with all that that propaganda when you could yeah. actually turn that around and peel it away? And that's why people like it because it's not even that brilliant. That's not what I'm saying like, so she can see the future. It's just that when you look at it that way, you're always trying to figure out what they're getting at. It sounds a little paranoid, but I would say I'm more right than like your average newscaster saying, oh, this is what that means. It's, it's not. It's almost always something where they're just trying to funnel all the money and power to the top. If you can see yep. how this can get them there, then you know what the next headline is going to be. And that's really the point of the whole thing. Well, and that's and actually the, the next question that I had written down. Uh, I am very, I've been very inspired and um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, I'm just going to go with inspired. Galvanized. Tar- mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, well, the person that I listen yes. to a lot and who's changed my mind a lot about things is Michael Malice. I don't know if you've listened to Michael Malice, but the first question I wrote is, is the corporate press the enemy of the people? I never, I've never heard Michael Malice. I try not to listen to podcasts that are anything other than expertise, which I generally don't like. I'm not that. I can't, I think you have to be somebody who synthesizes information in order to really interpret the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But I live in fear of having my own ideas crowded out by someone else with good ideas or. <laughs> having simultaneous ideas and having to give credit to someone else for having the same idea. So I don't listen to like the same kind of podcast that most people listen to. And, uh, but I think it would, so I, I don't know what his angle is, but it sounds like the press. And for me, it's all a continuum. The press, I, I, I actually came to this when I was doing in that HAPA phase where I was actually studying for the Chartered Financial Analyst Test. It's three years of tests and it's all math. And so you can be a hedge fund manager. And my mind was so on fire that I was just never stopped thinking. And the math was kind of boring. So I was thinking about other stuff. And I, I thought about how the media politics and academia are the three things <laughs> that influence us the most. And none of them, has to answer for when the rubber hits the road. They're the least experienced, the least uh, have the least consequences. And then they have this, they tell everybody what to do. So I feel like it's, it starts with that core, but that's really just the messaging. So I, I don't want to muddy up your ideas here. But <laughs> no, it's you can do it. You have you I'm ever heard of a, a guy whose pen name was Mincius Moldbug? Or no. Curtis Yarvin. No. This is maybe this, if, if that's a Twitter <laughs> handle, but I don't know. Um, this is a he, he started Neo Reaction. If I if I'm understanding his past correctly, I don't really haven't spent too much time with him. But 
he called what you just mentioned, the three-headed beast, the academia, the universities, the press, and the, the government, the cathedral, because it's a thinly veiled fundamentalist religion intent on globalist hegemony. And so you're, you're, what's funny is I'm like, do you believe this? And you're like, here's what I believe. And you're just saying it your own way. The exact same thing that I'm, that I'm thinking. This about. is why I don't <laughs> listen to the other podcasts because also for me, like Hoppe, I, why did I love Hoppe when I picked it up? Because the first page, the first paragraph, I think, if I recall correctly, I was like, yes, that's what I thought. World War One. That was the beginning of the end. You can try to put your finger on other things. People think it's the Civil War. You could even say it's before that. It, you could say, I mean, it's when the Articles of Confederation were crowded out by the Constitution. I mean, you could go through a lot. But World War One, it was was it. Woodrow Wilson. That was the devoting and and the and getting rid of the Austro-Hungarian Empire replaced monarchy. And and I agree with him too. Like I'm an anarcho-capitalist. But democracy isn't the next best thing. Monarchy would really be the next best thing. And I'm not saying that's a good thing at all, but I'm just saying you can cut that guy's head off and you kind of move on. Democracy, yeah. you're never cutting that head off. Never, ever, ever. And they got you to think that it's your next door neighbor and the guy across the street. Look at us. Look at us. It's yeah. crazy. So, so, but the thing is, if I've already, if I've come to the conclusions, if I've come to my way of thinking on my own organically like that, it's like when I tried to read philosophy in high school. I didn't get it because you don't really know anything. You didn't think that hard about the stuff. But now if I went to read, now that the philosophy that I'm capable of reading is still kind of basic, I, it's this <laughs> Will Durant, the story of philosophy. It's like a book of you know, one chapter on every philosopher. But, but I get it. Like I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally thought of that. Like if there's no God, then it doesn't, you know, um, what's pa it's not Pascal's theorem, but it's something like that where- Pascal's wager? Yes. Yes. So if there's, if there is no God and you think there's a God, there's no loss, but if there is a God and you're acting like there is no God, you've got problems. So if you've actually thought of that stuff already, and then you hear the philosopher say it, you can understand all the gobbledygook gets couched in. And I just find that it's it, to observe and think like that is how you can recognize the truth when you see it. And that's really the essence of what it takes, I think, to understand what's going on. Yeah. And I think that, well, I just, I just find it fascinating that you mentioned you describe the cathedral without calling it the cathedral. That's just fascinating to me. Yeah. And, um, and it was purely based on the fact that those are the three things that are most influential, but also have absolutely, because I was just thinking, no accountability, like no, and no, no experience with consequences. So when yeah. you have a business, you can blah, blah, all you want, but and, and I think I got it from law school and business school. Law school has case law. Case law, whether it's logical or not, applies. You yeah. have to follow it. But in business school, so they have the case method of business. I'm like, this is just nonsense because it, it worked that time, but you don't really know the variables. It's like economics. It's not really a sci like a hard science. You don't really yeah. know which variables, the timing, there's just too much shit going on. And you can't apply it the way you can apply case law in law school because no one's going to enforce that. You make a bad decision and you're just like, oh, what just happened? You live with that. You really have to live with that. But mm -hmm. it's academics who make this stuff up. And then it's the politicians who do the laws. and. You just, and the, and the media disseminates it, propagates it, which I think is really an arm of the government in a way, but. Yeah. 
Basically. Well, at this point, their flat the corporate press, which, by the way, is one of those things that I've has become a pet peeve of mine, is when people people say mainstream media. Oh, okay. Because these people are depraved. Yes. Their malfeasance yes. is anything but mainstream. Yes. And I feel like that gives them a little bit of credibility they don't deserve. But that's great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I put in mine wrote a, uh, an article called the side, or I, maybe it's a common term, side stream media. He's kind of left leaning, but truthy nonetheless. Yeah. And, uh, and he would say the side stream media is like the alt kind of news, which has been totally hijacked as well. That, that bums me out. See, that's the thing. They've oh, just yeah. like had to layer the propaganda. So they have what I call hot propaganda, which is like the Atlantic and the New Yorker and stuff for real fart sniffers. And then they have the kind of, <laughs> I know something's wrong, but I don't have the time to really figure it out. And then you've got the whole kind of Q layer and stuff. I don't know how you feel about Q, but just, it's there, <laughs> well, I think, to dis to keep people from really discerning the, the truth from what the falsehoods. Well, with Q for me, I'm, I'm, I, I struggle because part of me says Q is a psyop. And the other part of me says, I don't know if they're capable of this. It's almost too good well, and too smart. Okay. I read a book called Conjuring Hitler. And it's a guy named Guido Preparata, an Italian. I think he's like at least dual citizenship of American and Italian. And what he was talking about was that the bankers in England between the wars, the whole World War I, World War II thing was about getting rid of Germany. Germany was becoming a competitor for England in the industrial sense, and they could ally with Russia, which was like the resource-rich thing. And then you have that Eurasian landmass, which is Earth Island, whatever. And they once you control that, you control the world. Whereas England and the US and all the English-speaking kind of colonies were the little islands around the island. They're kind of fringy. That's why they all need navies and everything. So if they let Germany and Russia form an alliance, they may never be able to take over the world or continue the kind of underground British empire or whatever. So they had to start a big war with Germany one way or another, and they did, but it wasn't enough. They needed a second one. So between the wars, they, they undermined, they didn't want to destroy their own interests and allies in the financial realm in Germany. So this is when I learned that actually through all of that, 60 million people died and Nazis and everything, the bank flows never stopped. They never stopped at the top. It was all about, so when I read Event 201 about the coronavirus, I was like, wow, this is all about keeping the money flowing, even if people are dying all over the place. Maybe we're getting another war. I don't know. But what they did was they found, they looked for, although there was a lot of reaction because World War I sucked and the Weimar inflation, everything, all that stuff sucked. And there was a lot of unrest. And one of the books I have is called The Politics of Cultural Despair and What Happened in Germany at that time. So what they supposedly did was they found somebody who, they looked around at all these people and they found somebody who could lead in, dis, in a, a dysfunctional subculture without disrupting the highest echelons. And then, and then I was reading a CIA manual that said, uh, I think it was CIA or whatever, some government thing that said that one of the jobs that they do, haha, in foreign countries is to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. So, so my thinking is that they don't have to create it. 
or control it or anything. They just have to not deplatform it and feed it. And so it's like the Dave Chappelle show. Dave Chappelle did a great job. His show was freaking fantastic. The reason he had such hilarious, edgy humor is that nobody else kind of was permitted in that space. And then when yep. he took over that space, they, they tried to shut him down also. But if they wanted him to be in that space, he owned that space and they were clearly keeping everybody else out of the space. They could have, and they probably wanted to let him continue to dominate that space while injecting certain key messages mm -hmm. that wouldn't really impair his brilliance or anything like that, but he knew it. He was like, I'm not wearing a dress. You know, he knew there was something wrong yeah. with it. I think now he's just like, fuck it. I wish I had taken that because how bad could it have been? And then when I had $50 million, now I'm doing, <laughs> even selling out much worse and having a lot less money. What are you yeah. going to do? So I'm just saying, I think that there's a way to, to, to take what's out there like, I don't know if Alex Jones is, has, a, has somebody, has a handler he knows is his handler or not. I really don't know, but he's mm. got a handler because he, he discredits a lot of important, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, you yeah. don't have to disagree with me, but nobody's like, she's a fucking lunatic. Well, they might say that, but it's, it's not because <laughs> I'm jumping up and down well, on the couch, you know, it's because they don't agree with what I'm saying. Well, as, as for psyops, I also I firmly believe that the flat Earth stuff that came around a few years ago was a definite psyop. Yeah, like I I cannot see it as anything else because there's no. I've seen it. I've seen the Earth being round like three yeah. different ways. I've seen it myself. I was in the Concord <laughs> once. I could see the Earth was round. I saw it with my own eyes. I flew around the world once in a in one week. I just like had a bunch of flights and I just kept going in the same direction. I ended up home again. Like it's just. <laughs> you know, and then somebody else told me that he used to be on ships and the radar, the tor uh, the ship to ship, you, the ships can't see each other because they're over the horizon and they have to adjust when they send their yeah. is it torpedoes or whatever, can't be, whatever they were shooting at each other, they would have to adjust for the curvature of the earth. Mm -hmm. So... I think it's a psyop. I really yeah, think for sure. that it was something sure. to... But people believe to, it. Oh yeah, it's there. There are stupid people out there that'll latch onto anything, and I think that, that was the plan. Is because if they believe that, most likely they're going to believe insert real conspiracy here, and then suddenly you can go, oh, that person doesn't believe the Earth is round. It was probably beyond a psyop. It was probably an investigative tool to figure hmm. out how people respond to kind of. That's how I got taken off of WordPress. They threw something out there that was clearly a trap. And I was yeah. like, hmm, what are they trying to do here? And well, they trapped me, but I thought they were just trying to see how fast false information could travel around the world, who would pick up on it. And they did actually see that. And they found me and a lot of other people and they deplatformed us from WordPress. I'm happy to tell you about it, but I don't want you to be <laughs> deplatformed. So, so I do, I think that they use stuff like that to probe like the phishing emails where they use bad, supposedly use bad grammar on purpose just because they don't want to go down the road with someone who's going to figure it out halfway through. They want to go down the road only with people who are absolutely going to fall for it to the bitter end. So they make yep. the original email as silly as they can. So it could be that they were just trying to see what you could say, what people would accept and what they wouldn't, what they would push back on and what, how, because the flat earth thing, it's all in the way that it's explained to people. It has to be in the way that it's like a con where they get you to believe what they're saying, probably by couching it in maybe religious terms or something like that. Yeah. Well, I'll, it, tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about that whole flat earth thing. <clears throat> 
y'all gonna excuse my voice i'm kind of losing it today um when i first because somebody was like hey you know these flat earthers and i'm like well, what the hell y'all talking about right so i go into looking into it problem with me is once i start going down a rabbit hole i keep digging and then i kept watching videos and reading articles and then i even found myself at like you know a, a few levels of the rabbit hole deep going you know what maybe it is flat what was keeping <laughs> you, know? you going what do you and, remember any of the details that kept you going well it was it was the stuff like that it's, it was stuff that i wasn't researching it was like you know saying that we don't have a full picture of the earth oh. you know stuff like that that just sounded believable so i didn't question it and i didn't research it okay so and, yeah. so they exhaust you yes, because there's yes, so much, much you so. need yeah, to look into so much into and they can and also like, see which you clicked on and which you did not click on and, and then eventually because i'm a skeptic always i got skeptical of the flat earth theory so then i had i was like okay hold on a minute let me put my brakes let me look into this crap. And then I, you know, I started thinking this is bullshit. And then, but I can see where someone could 100% fall down that rabbit hole and be all on board. I mean, it's just the same thing with like with Alex Jones and I know Ryan's going to kill me, but it's like, <laughs> I was listening to, to Alex Jones like every day. I mean, when he had that podcast out every day and I got to the point to where I wanted to dig a hole. I wanted to hide in it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because the guys with black scaring helicopters. Scaring the shit and, out of you, yeah. Yeah, it was scaring the hell out of me. So I had to cut him off. I mean, it's the same thing with Mark Levin. I had to cut him off because his ass is getting annoying. But I can see where people start going down a rabbit hole and they don't thinking, question it. I was thinking that with the moon landing too, like as I started to kind of probe that. But with the flat earth, I just plug in my common sense and I'm like, I, I have nothing to, it, there's, my common sense tells me that's not true. My experiences tell me it's not true. With the moon landing, I'm like, two way, faster than speed of light, video, live streaming. Yeah. With a computer. <laughs> a lot of well, questions like, in that one. That, you See, know, with, and with no, the they moon. didn't think to take a picture of the stars at all. I mean, they got <laughs> off the thing, ran around and climbed back up on it and it shot back and that, Werner von Braun said that the rocket fuel would be too heavy for that expedition. You couldn't get it off the earth. But anyway, or, whatever. Or, it all, or too Nazi things. scientist. Yeah, I know, right? The artichoke <laughs> or paperclip, whatever it is. But I just feel like that one, they, it, I'm not even There's saying a motive. fake. They, but they have, well, actually, can, I think it redeems them to, to fake the moon landing because it acts like the Cold War was right. real. But what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. With the moon landing there, you can very easily find the motive as to why it could be conspiracy. I'm not saying it is or isn't. But, right, right, right. But there, you, you see where there could be motive for that, which was anti-Russian propaganda. Which would be virtuous in their eye. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'd actually, the one reason I almost don't believe it is for that is that I'm not but even who, sure the Cold War was that real. But yeah. What? Who benefits from the flat earth? It's, I think it's a study. Yeah. He, what, Dave? It, 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 I, I, what I found through my my brief stint into the flat Earth cult was that it's the whole Antarctica thing. That <laughs> oh, that it's some kind of globalist conglomerate that they have. You know the 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 big wigs, the the powers that be that actually stay up there, and that's the reason why nobody can fly over Antarctica. Uh, nobody can live there is because it's some kind of big secret something or other crap that's up there. And 
I mean, that's what I'm saying. Nazis I got were it. there. There was an underground <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, Elvis that's so interesting. Elvis lives there. Michael Jackson wow. lives there. But I well, mean, <laughs> Epstein and Weinstein live there, but whatever. <laughs> sure. All those so, I mean, steens. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the 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 big picture of why they would try to convince everybody that the flat and that the Earth is flat, but. It's out there and it's very, very strong. I think it's to make fun of conspiracy theorists or make them look mm -hmm. stupid. But yeah, like the, you said, it, but it takes away thing, credibility. The Q thing is for another reason, a very important reason, I think, that the Q thing is about, I mean, not holding Trump accountable for the things that he's doing that does not fit within the ideology of anyone, anywhere on the right at all. Well, yeah. now they're trying to ban uh, races. The, the pistol braces for uh, like AR pistols and stuff like the, the, they used to be, if you had a regular stock on there, you had to, you know, register as a, as a short barrel rifle and pay extra money to the big government, all this bullshit. But then they're like, Hey, if you have, you know, like a 16 or not 16, like a 10 inch barrel and just put this arm brace on there that then you can, that's okay. It's a pistol. And then they're like, well, then you can't shoulder it. Well, and then you can shoulder it. And now you can't shoulder it. And now they're talking about banning it. So, I mean, it's, and that's what kills me about it. All these, you know, these big Trump supporters is they're like, you know, he's so great and everything. I'm like, bro, uh, you know, bump stocks, suppressors, now braces. I mean, he's, I th and unless I'm wrong, I think he's done more infringement on the second amendment than Obama did. I mean, Obama wanted to. He's he done did. more He's done the most since what, Ronald Reagan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty well, much. I had a caller who said the Democrats are not going to get your guns. It's going to take a Republican. It will take a Republican. And this is it. So the right. people aren't holding up what he's done. They're holding up what the secret rumors are that he's going to do, that Hillary will end up in jail, that there are 40,000 indictments, that all that stuff that if you just let him, if you just trust the plan, let him <sighs> let him throw us all off the track by bankrupting this country and banning it's all the guns. It's 50D chess, Monica. It's 50D <laughs> chess. Okay. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm working on it. I need that rocket to the moon so I can get high enough to look at that. I just, it just doesn't make sense. And I can't, I can't, I can't accept it. Also, I would say a really good deal breaker for any kind of disruptive conspiracy theory or movement or anything is if it if it gets traction if Hillary Clinton mentions it in a in a rally or whatever if people are talking about it publicly like that getting them PR it's either a psyop from the beginning or it's been hijacked. I mean, I yeah. don't even think Julian Assange is real. Like he's not a real person. Well, no, I think he's a <laughs> CIA agent. I think he's a real person. I okay. think he might be a girl. You think but, Snowden's a Snowden's a CIA agent too. He's definitely. He Absolutely. talks about it. He has Freudian slips about it many times. Did you watch the Rogan interview with Snowden? No, I missed that. That's one. why go, you I don't know. I knew, I so I didn't even bother watching it. And then Pete Quinones said, "You got to watch this and talk about it with how much you hate him." I'm like, first of all, I try not to hate, but. <laughs> But uh, so I suffered through it. And at that point, and I was like, I mean, I had like a million things. Just watch that. If you, if you, okay. sorry, am I bumming you out? <laughs> no. Am I taking no. away all the hope? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I think my number one get out of jail card is Ross Ulbricht. Oh, I'm, oh, you know, my promise. 
if Trump pardons Ross Ulbricht, I will I'll vote for him. Plan. I'll <laughs> right. vote for him. I will vote for him. One, I'll I will vote. call him and Batman. Two, I'll vote for him. I will. Yeah, exactly. Wow, just voting. I will. I will say whatever Trump wants me to say. I will. Whatever you want. <laughs> Let Daddy. that poor boy out. <laughs> out. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And you've never heard anybody really in the mainstream, big time, bigly, talk about him. And that they talk about Q. They talk about Alex Jones, but they don't talk about him ross albert nope. so i just I, that's what happens when they don't want it out there if they freed him I, i'd be the first one to even go on my own show and be like you know it's okay that trump you know ban bump stocks bankrupts and, the country but nah, he's he's a he's a huge second amendment supporter y'all y'all need to vote for him in 2020 truck train <laughs> me too <laughs> so one of the when the corporate press isn't hiding things their biggest deal is being factual but not truthful so they'll say a fact but they won't it, it they don't tell the truth um so since you were a big conspiracy person i was curious what was the first conspiracy that got your mind rolling it doesn't have to be anti-government just yeah. any conspiracy <clears throat> that made you start thinking i actually do not i mean i i'm happy to have a conspiracy theory label i don't care at all but i don't really think of myself as a conspiracy theorist because i don't spend any time at all figuring out who's up to what i just spend time trying to discern whether the official narrative is supported by the evidence and if it's not what might be supported by the evidence or if the evidence points to a different narrative what that narr a narrative that makes sense might be Right. And I agree with you. I, that's why I said conspiracy person rather than a conspiracy yeah, theorist. Yeah. I mean, because, it, it, you know, it, I don't see you in, in the room with yarn and a. No. <laughs> the, the conspiracy, though, and, and what we are talking about is, is j just basically implied because that the cathedral, which I hate to yeah. now take somebody else's words, but that the politicians, academics, and the media all support the official narrative. So whether mm -hmm. they're conspiring overtly or implicitly or what, I don't know. But that's like when Online's Liberty, they kind of asked me a slightly different question, which is what's the most important or the biggest or craziest conspiracy that you think happened? And I say JFK because everyone knows what happened and still every teacher with a straight face will teach the official narrative when half mm -hmm. of them know it's not true. But the thing that really opened my eyes, the scales fell from my eyes. I remember it very distinctly. When I started my show, I would say all the time, I don't think 9-11 was an inside job. I don't believe in harp. I don't believe in chemtrails. I don't believe in that stuff. But some of these stories that I'm reading in the newspaper don't make sense. And what, what would happen was I had a call-in show. So people would call in and they would spout off stuff from Fox, stuff from Rush mm -hmm. Limbaugh, stuff from everything. And I would have to know my my liberty principles, I would need to know what really happened <clears throat> in the news of the week so that I could apply my principles and I would need to know what their stories were so that I could be prepared for that. Because you have 40,000 people calling and if I was on during the week, it was like 400,000 people listening. Anybody could call you. That's a lot of open source attacking and I had to be ready. So one time I was, in, uh, I was filling in for somebody during the week, which was 10 times my audience. And it was the day or the day after the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm. So I wanted to know exactly what happened so that I could tell the story. I have a lot of integrity and I could answer the questions. Yeah. And the story kept moving around. It kept moving around. And, and 
the Boston Globe, for example, were, was not printing retractions. I was like, this story is messed up. Like that, <laughs> the guy whose car was carjacked was not Asian. He was whatever. The, the guy in the store where he ran into the bathroom did not uh, fit a different description. And I have the video, like these facts are not real. Mm -hmm. And I stayed up all night and I figured that thing out and the cops killed the Sarnayevs. And I, and after a while, I mean, I was like, they, he was in custody. There's a video of him saying, well, we give up. We didn't do it, but we give up. And then just a hail of bullets, <laughs> you know, it was, well, it wasn't that, yeah, there was a hail of bullets, in, but this is a big long story. But I just remember being like, oh my gosh. And then. That was your red they, pill. Yeah, and they were in the CIA. They were associated with the CIA. So then you had this FBI guy saying, we're looking for these two guys. I'm like, you're looking for those two guys. They live a mile away and they're your operatives in Dagestan. What are you talking about? You're looking for these two guys. <clears throat> and because of that, I said, okay, I know that's not, I know this, they're lying. And my objection to 9-11 truthers was, I simply don't believe they would do it. And then I saw that they would do it. And then I knew they did do it. Yeah. Well, if I may interject, uh, there was your podcast reminds me of another podcast that I've been listening to for years, listen to them every time they open and it's, uh, the no agenda show. Um, do you, do you remember, uh, Adam Curry? He used to be on MTV. He was a VJ. I didn't have MTV cause I was oh, okay. dirt poor, but, uh, I didn't have didn't it because have I was, oh, I was a good young. Christian boy whose <laughs> mom wouldn't let him watch it. <laughs> Good for you. But I, so I don't, I'm a little uh, pop culture ignorant, but I, I did, I do, Binkley tells me about that show. And oh, really? Because yeah, that, that's what they do is they, they, uh, oh, what's the word they use? I can't remember, but they um, look at the news and figure out what's really going on and all this crap. Of course, it's a, it's a lot longer, you know, show. So they have more time. They do, uh, stuff from outside the country too but um they were talking about on their show they mentioned something called the, the fbi six-week cycle and what it is is where the fbi sets up something like uh you'll hear that they thwarted a terrorist attack or something like that and a lot of times it's it's and they'll even admit it that it's a sting like they they talk somebody kind of like what they did with um uh, on ruby ridge you know where they set a dude up and what they'll do is they'll find a dude that's, you know, a little, maybe even got some kind of mental disability or something like that. And they'll get him amped up and get him radicalized, you know, undercover and stuff. And then say, put it in his head, it's a good idea to blow something up. So they, you know, make a, make a bomb that will never go off and wait until he's about to detonate it and then arrest him. And, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, well, they wouldn't do that, blah, blah, blah. But that's exactly what they did at, um, you know, it's what they did at Ruby Ridge is what they did at Waco to make themselves seem relevant. Like you need us to protect you because look Absolutely. what happens when we don't protect you. And they, so, I mean, the Boston bombing would be a perfect example of that. Yes. And they wanted to get rid of those guys and they wanted to introduce the shelter in place thing. There was a story, I think the guy's name was Robert Hester. I think that was his name. They set him up so bad that they met him in a Home Depot parking lot and he had no money. They wanted him to get stuff and he wouldn't get the stuff or he didn't have the money. They gave him 20 bucks to buy duct tape and nails. And he came out and gave them to them and they arrested him. I think he's going to jail for like 18 years. 
I mean, it's the craziest story ever, but it's uh, always that. And Binkley says that too. We laugh. We're like, when we read a story like that, who was the FBI informant who set this guy up from start to finish? And there's been some exposés of that in New York Times and on Fox News that over 90% of the terrorist things are, arrests are stings. And that's just reprehensible. They're creating, they're spreading evil that wasn't there before. They could be helping people instead of enhancing dysfunctional subcultures. But yeah, the people are a little bit mental, I think. Yeah, well, my, the, for, to answer my own question, the first time I questioned the official narrative was Kurt Cobain. <laughs> really? I was yep. wondering about that. His wife's father was a handler of the Grateful Dead, Hank Harrison. Really? That's my yeah. I don't. I I do. I, I to this day I do not believe that Kurt Cobain killed himself. I don't. Do tell, tell. Well, give me the 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 easiest, the most interesting bit of it is the fact that his suicide note. When you read it up to a certain point, it looks like he's trying to quit Nirvana, <clears throat> and then the handwriting shifts, and it becomes a suicide note. Really. Yeah, I, 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 I haven't spent too much, like, I, this was back when I was, like, 13 or 14, so I don't have all the finer points in my mind, but I just, th something about that whole situation, none of it rang true, and that was the first time I got, I started thinking, okay, what, what other things have I believed that could possibly not be true? Wow, you got some truth, Dar. <laughs> because at that at that young age to find that story, which really there isn't a lot of meat on the bones, I agree with you that no, there's not. I, there's I, there's I like got, almost nothing. But I was just like, would tell you, you I can don't you can look into that. There is some stuff that people say. I never, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone talk about Hank Harrison, Courtney Love's father. But I was when I was, I can't do this to my husband, who's a deadhead, so he refuses <laughs> to let me tell him anything that I find about the dead. But there's a lot of stuff about them kind of being. <clears throat> Counterculture operatives. It, it all came from when I read this book, Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon by Dave McGowan, who wrote about basically all these guys in the scene. They were hanging out with uh, Charles Manson, the Beach Boys, Frank Zappa, Crosby, Stills, and Nash in the end young and Laurel Canyon, where they were, mm -hmm. where the government nearby was filming nuclear explosion films like something really really weird but all those guys all those guys and jim morrison everybody had a father or some parental figure something like that in military intelligence and jim morrison was on <laughs> his father was the admiral who did the gulf of tonkin incident that got us escalated in vietnam that's some Project Monarch shit right Admiral there. Admiral Morrison. <laughs> yeah, Admiral Morrison. So, I mean, whoa. So then I started going down that road, and that's where I discovered Hank Harrison, who's Courtney Love. So I think you're probably right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also funny that all those people were around the same place. It has to be. It has to have been Nixon's idea. He hated the hippies, and he hated black people. <laughs> and he, wanted, he wanted to shift some things. And I mean, it's very well documented that he subverted those cultures and, you know, made drugs illegal, different types yeah. of drugs for different types of people so that he could get rid of the dissidents. There, I would have to go deeper and I'd, I would love to 
maybe someday have a deeper conversation, maybe read some more on it because there's something about that era that's a little hard for me to get my mind around. He seems like what you see is what you get with him. He did the drug war for sure. He, he opened up China. I mean, he, he instituted price and wage control. So he clearly wasn't like an ideological conservative type guy. No. But he was his own man, which I think is why he was removed in a coup. He put Spiro Agnew in against the interests of the Bushes who put him in place. And then Spiro Agnew, people think he went down with the ship on Watergate, but he was pushed out for another reason. I have his book, which is called Go Quietly or Else. So there's that. And then like Martin Luther King was assassinated, but he was also clearly being funded or fostered by the Rockefellers. There's evidence of that. So I, I never, and, and the CIA, like Gloria Steinem admitted to being associated with the students for a democratic America or something like that, which was, I believe a CIA front, the guys who did lockstep, which was like an event to a one thing also were involved in that way back in the day. So there are a lot of, I can basically pull back the curtain and find the CIA behind or, or whatever foundations behind yeah. all of it and i don't understand how nixon plugs into that can you can you flesh that out a little bit in the context of that stuff or do we have to go do homework because i think i have to do homework i had a thought but i, I definitely would need to do homework but but what do you think what would make sense how would you connect those dots because i agree with you nixon seemed sincerely all of that stuff I mean, he was a player, and I think that that's the theme that runs through these presidents who get in and get taken out because they get in because they're players, and they get taken out because they have their own will. Well, I mean, Nixon, for one, like earlier you talked about how um, if the leftist policies are going to come in, they're going to come through the Republican Party, and that was that was Nixon. You know, I, I, for some reason, I can't think of my typical examples off the top of my head, but I mean, he was one of those perfect people who were able to go in there and convince the right to do what well, the left wanted. That's them what to I do. was saying though, that he opened up China, he instituted price and wage controls. He closed the gold window. I mean, that guy was a disaster. How yeah. the, and it's the right, I believe that took him out. I don't know that though, for sure. Like, I feel like the Bush boys, you know, he was put in by the bushes and I don't know if he played the game. I read a I book know. called Silent Coup. It was a really, really great book about what Watergate was really about. And I think Alexander Haig and Steve Bannon was kind of involved in some like very, very, was it Steve Bannon? No, Steve Bannon was a parallel kind of figure because he was in like the Reagan White House, the way uh, one of those, one of the Watergate, one of the Watergate um, journalists was in the service the way Bannon was in the service. Well, who are the two guys who broke it? Bernstein oh and Woodward. I think it's Woodward yes. was in the service and he never talked about that, but he was like a military intelligence and then he broke that story. So there was definitely a deep state took out both JFK and Nixon, in my opinion. I mean, how do you and connect those dots? How how much do you think they're trying to take out Trump or is this just part of the game? I think Trump is absolutely an operative puppet, face job, whatever. He's doing what he's told. He is serving an agenda. 
I wonder sometimes where, at what level the factionalism comes in that, like with the Ukraine thing, I feel like Giuliani came in. What a piece try of crap, to, that guy. Oh, he's awful. Oh, I can't say <laughs> But I feel like he came in to kind of get the kind of payola that Biden and Kerry, like the Democrats are so good at. I think they were, they're basically running a billion dollar operation, the Biden, Kerry, Bulger, and the other guy, Archer, Yeah. in their partnership. And I think Giuliani came in and said, we're the bosses now, <laughs> give us the money. And they were like, oh man, you're, you're too easy. <laughs> I just hate that, you know? <laughs> and so... So I feel like there is some factionalism there and it may be just for idiots like Giuliani and not something higher up, whoever Trump reports to. But I just think Trump is like Obama. Like they show up for their press things. They have to get their minds around whatever. If he's being taken out, it's, it would be like a setup, I would think. Like I worry about the Secret Service. Mm. That's the kind of thing I worry about is that he doesn't realize the game he's playing and what, how they're going to deal with him in the end. So the way I look at Trump is because I still have a lot of right-leaning friends and especially my Facebook. Oh my God. But it's like filled <laughs> with, with everybody, everything he does is good. You know, they didn't question him calling in the uh, national guard to try to, you know, Force the, force the military into these states that didn't want his help. I mean, because and everybody's like, why, are you, why don't you want the military stepping in? I'm like, the first thing that pops in my head is uh, Kent State. I don't want the military involved at all. And then, you know, anything the police do, they back them 100%. Um, I think Trump started his rhetoric early on, especially when he made that comment about how he could shoot somebody and they would still vote for him. And to me, I think he was absolutely right. There's nothing this dude can do that's going to turn a Trump supporter to think, because right now Trump supporters see themselves as some kind of counterculture, you know, re re rebel or something like that, you know. And if just on the surface, what it looks like to me is that I think that Trump is put into place with some of the policies that he's, you know, put in place and some of the stuff he says. It's not about, he wants to keep the right backing him 100%, no matter what. But some of the stuff he does, like the infringement on the Second Amendment, the you know, he's not against um, what was he, he? He didn't he think that Facebook and all them doing all that, you know, censorship was a good idea. I can't remember what his he wants was to get, he wants to control it so that they can't censor the right, but it's just a fairness doctrine. Obama was trying to get it in too, where you can regulate the press and, and people yeah. are- And Zuckerberg wants it. They want, and, and so, do, so do the people on the right, even the podcasters like, well, he could save us all. I'm like, he's not saving us. He's not saving us. No, he's no. saving Shep Smith. I mean, he's not saving us. And that's where I was thinking was that I think that some of the stuff that he's going along with and, and wanting to happen the presidents are only in there for a blink of an eye, but you got all these other people that are up there forever. And I think that's what he's doing is just filtering more power up, you know, and saying, I want the government to have more power. And like I said, the right's going to be right with it. I agree with you. Yeah. You, when I spoke to John McAfee, 
he actually was was telling us that he said, you know what the people in the CIA and the FBI call the president? The transient. Because they <laughs> they're only there for four to eight years, but the you know the the deep state's going to be there always. And then he said something about he said this really strange, like it, it blew my mind because it came off as so blue pilled, which I didn't expect a blue pill coming from McAfee. But when he had said that the yes, there's the deep state and they do bad things, but the people that are in the FBI, the FBI agents are actually good patriotic Americans. And I'm like, they, you know they're coming after you. Are you a plant? <laughs> well, he probably had to compromise when they rescued him. Why, why isn't he, doesn't he have legal problems in that other country? And what about, and also someone was telling me that he uh, believes in the moon landing. And I just feel like that's okay if you haven't done your homework, but if you've done your homework, if you have an opinion on it and you're smart like him, don't you think it's hard to believe? Or at least, at least you have to, I think this is my position on the moon landing. I have not been convinced. I'm batting that ball back to them. They got to do better. Find the pictures, you know? <laughs> well, and that's like, that's the thing that with the moon landing, I've never made any specific statement on it because I don't know. No, but, but if you, but you, but don't I don't believe it. I, I can't, I can't you, really believe it because it, how it, the heck did they make that happen technologically in 1969? And we haven't been jumping up there every, every year since. But can you imagine? Because well, we already been there. Why well, we gotta go back? Yeah, why would That's we what I always hear. Those guys, <laughs> they're shitting their pants, quite literally, shooting into space. They've got all this technology behind them. Can you imagine that they went up to the moon, got out, climbed around down at the bottom, then climbed back up in it and came back with it like three times without anybody getting a little losing a tile or whatever? But here's how has no one else done it? And, and I think in Russia, a lot of America. Russians know that it was fake because it's what ended the Cold War. And I respect them. If it, if it was sincere, think of that. The Cold War ended 20 years later. It never would have ended if that had failed. But my point about the moon landing isn't that you have to believe it or not believe it. It's that you have to recognize that if you believe it, it's an act of faith. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. the story is not evidence. And when you ask them about the real the speed of light two-way communication thing or faster than oh, the speed just, of light. This is what they say. This is the official story. Look it up. That they said it was being broadcast live because they wanted that impact on the American people, but they didn't really do it live. They did it all in advance and they cut it all together so that it seemed like it was back and forth. So it's a big fraud, but not the fraud you think, a different <laughs> fraud that yeah well and, and what was it alex jones said that the tapes they did go but the tapes didn't come back because there's a magnetic field on one part of the moon or something there's a and colony on the other side of the moon and it was <laughs> empty i don't you know i don't know none of that stuff is in evidence right so to try to convince people that it's real why would you do that how can you know that it's real? you can't know Maybe you or, can know. Maybe he should explain it to me personally. But. Maybe maybe they were maybe they were they were playing three D chess. Maybe they were thinking, hey, you know, we know we gotta fake this all, and if we just give them a little <laughs> bit of like, oh, we screwed up, so we taped it ahead of time and parted together, then maybe they will see that okay, they admitted they did this wrong, so they must have done it. It makes sense. Right. Give them a right. little bit of the truth, so that you'll believe the big lie. I think they do stuff like that. I, I, and you know, I'm not trying to alienate people who 
who think about this stuff. I'm just saying, when you do think about it, okay, I did a lot, a lot of research on Paul McCartney. So Paul McCartney supposedly <laughs> was killed, right? Oh, yeah, There's he's this dead. fantastic documentary, mockumentary, right? That George Harrison left this deathbed confession. It's a great, it's just fantastic. But Paul McCartney is not dead. This is the original Paul McCartney. And I figured it out because I looked at every freaking page. I mean, for days I was looking, I was like, how can, and his five o'clock shadow when he was 18 is the same as it is now. So he did not die between then and it's, you know what I'm saying? Like he could not plastic <laughs> surgery that. Yeah. So I'm satisfied that that's yeah. not well, true. And, and that's one of those things that like, I, like I said, I don't talk about the moon landing very much just because it's like, you know, a lot of times. Oh, I did. You, sorry, you, did you, I blow you up? I'm sorry. No, yeah. oh no, no, <laughs> no. Just because a lot of times, if you mention it at all, people will then tell you, "Well, you know, Buzz Aldrin p- punched a guy in the face for for questioning." Yeah, the for moon coming landing. too close, for sure. <laughs> why, why would Why would he care? Why would he get all mad? He'd just be like, "What you're." <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, I, I've not put much into it because no. you know, I there are so many wonderful. When I say wonderful, I'm being sarcastic. There's so many yeah, horrifying yeah. stories Rich. that can yeah. prove that the government does it. I mean, what was it? Um, Operation North Northwoods? Northwoods. I don't look into this stuff anymore at all. People will send me, yeah. oh, look, this isn't the same guy. I never, ever look into it at all. Once I, I did, I mean, I did a, 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 quite a few of them, but once I realized how it works, I can see them a mile away. It doesn't really matter to me how much is true in the story, how much isn't true. They're using these things to manipulate us. Sometimes maybe they suppressed they just manipulate the narrative i don't know and i don't really focus on the moon landing i never did a show on it or anything but that yeah. guy was held up to me as a reason why i should believe in it and i'm saying that is an appeal to authority it's a faith-based yeah. answer to the problem and and if people recognize uh, it's like with 9-11 i knew the reason i didn't believe it was an inside job because i i couldn't believe that of them and yeah, then, it's kind of like why people you know, don't believe in pedophilia rings is because it's it's such a terrifying and awful part of humanity that we just, we can't understand boinking a kid. So when we see that other people do, we go, no, 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 they can't have done that. There's tons of evidence of that in the elite. Right. Tons well, I mean, of I think that really happened. And what you're talking about is you, you know, when you take the red pill to talk about the Matrix, the doc, that great documentary, um, once you take the red pill, you can see the code. And so once yes. you start to see the code, it's yes. very easy to pick out yes. when totally. someone's lying to you. And the cat, it's the same cat. Absolutely. Hey, y'all. <laughs> hey, dinner up. But I have a three-year-old that is hollering for daddy. So, Oh, can I see it? Oh, no, he's in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's straight up being like, hey, daddy, daddy. He's, he's had a rough right. day. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to go. But I did want to address something that Cam said that about uh, what McAfee said about the FBI and the, and the military being patriotic and whatnot. And somebody made a good point on another podcast. I heard that there's a difference between patriotism and um, nationalism and where, or something like that. And where you're a patriot, you're a patriot to the people. And where you're a nationalist, you're a na- you're, you're patriotic to the government. Nice. But, people do 
and I can attest to this because I wanted to do that. I wanted to go in the military. I wanted to be FBI, all this stuff. And the reason why they do it is because you're growing up with the whole status mentality that they're doing good. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I wanted to, to do that. I wanted to be a big part of that. And I think that in the process of reaching that goal, you become even more brainwashed to believe that whatever you're doing is a good thing is, is what you're supposed to be doing. So in a way they do see themselves as being patriotic and loving and good and, and truthful and righteous and all this other stuff. But it's only whenever you look at it from the outside that you see they're not, they think what oh, they're yeah. doing. I don't, I agree that they, I don't question that they feeling, think yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I gotta go. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. Bye. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Monica. Great seeing you again. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Cam, I'm sorry. Time. I got to bounce out early. You're good. But, man. Uh, y'all be good. I do want to address that though. I think that there's, there has been a lot of that there. It's, I used to say there were good and bad and there are good and bad. And when I used to do my show, I would have cops call me. They'd listen at night when they were kind of on patrol, I guess, or whatever. And, and they care about the constitution. There is a lot of that. I think two things. One is it gets harder and harder to take yourself seriously as it gets more and more corrupted. The FBI really got corrupted by Mueller, I think, over the years. It really got corrupted after 9-11, I believe. And I think you really have to be committed to kind of not peeling the onion if you want to keep that going. And I also think that I've seen it in many, many successful people who've dedicated their lives to something. Once, once you're fully committed to a career, you really can't question it because what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, and who, who was it that was, was it Hoover that was in charge of the FBI at first? Jagger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jagger Hoover. For like um, 50 years. Dude, that thing, like... That thing's been corrupt since the get-go. Just yeah. like, just like everything else. People just like the state. People always tell me that. They do. They tell me that. I, I just feel like haven't there been a lot of crimes? I guess international financial money laundering. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. I would have to see. There you go. It's a faith-based thing. It is not an yeah. evidence. I don't. I don't have the evidence because the stuff that I use is propaganda. I'll watch American Greed or I'll watch Forensics Files. And I had somebody tell me, and I read a couple of articles about a lot of those forensics are not, not legit. They act like, yeah. oh, we found the exact fiber, we found the exact bite print, and 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 fingerprints have been overturned. Fingerprints are apparently not actually unique, unique to humans. Like I, I read something at one point that said they are almost unique, but there have been cases of people having the same fingerprints and being picked and they've picked up the wrong person because they had matching fingerprints. Well, and what's a match? Right. I mean, if that's the case, then a match would have to be really, really perfect. Yeah. And so you're already introducing a ton of variability in there. Wow. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's the same thing where when you hear people on the right talking about the corporate press, when they're like, oh, well, you know, the New York Times used to be better. Don't you remember the days when it was better, when new, news on TV was better? And you're like, no. well, if you actually look at, into someone named Walter Durante from the 1930s, he was, for, I don't know if it was the New York Times or a different paper. It may have been the Republic. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he went over to the Soviet Union when the Holodomor was going on and took up for Stalin and said that things weren't happening that were clearly happening. 
So wow. it's like when people Why? say things like it used to be good. Right. I, I now go, no. When? <laughs> right. Because even Operation Mockingbird was in the 60s. Yeah. So you know that. And I think it was started, this is what I will say, is that I think it was started as propaganda and it has always been propaganda, but it took a long time to dumb people down enough that it can be like all propaganda. Yeah. So maybe there is a slide where it was 90% truth just for that 10% of real limited hangout. And now yeah. I would say it's 10%. Well, I mean, they, well, and, they hang 90% propaganda on 10% truth. Well, and it's like you, if you, there's, there's all these different variables because yeah, it definitely has, they've gotten like the coronavirus and um, this uh, George Floyd deal have been amazing for red pills because the corporate press is trying to keep up and because there's a difference between a narrative and an agenda or not a narrative between a bias and an agenda. A bias is where you have a natural leaning towards this or the other where you believe, but an agenda is where you, you come to your conclusion and then all the facts that come out, you build it to get to that conclusion. And so right now with all the stuff that's going on with BLM and George Floyd and all of that, like watching Twitter, it's been amazing seeing the people that are part of the press try to catch up and make these facts fit their narrative. Like the, when they went after that CNN building, they didn't know what to do. Oh, do you think that was authentic? I, I just didn't know. I, well, I, I don't know if it was authentic or not, but the people, the underlings were shocked. Like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. there was one guy who tweeted out something pro the protests and pro the riots. And then when they started getting close to his neighborhood, yeah. changed his mind. Really? And I was well, like, he should have had the fortitude to just keep it going. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I try to have the courage to like stand firm, but I, I have noticed that my, the mask is slipping. I show, I can see how people will, you can tell when I'm sure you, See it where you can tell how many people download your show, like in yeah over time. I used to. At this point, I can't because we run our own Did you stuff. Put something else. Yeah, I. I do, and that so me. yeah, I have I've no had idea. Problem. Yeah, I, I <laughs> on my WordPress, I used to be able to track it. I can't track it on my URL website anymore, yeah. but I can on Libsyn. Yeah, which is how it gets pushed out to everything, and the downloads have gone up, but the speed at which people download the show is amazing like within a couple of hours all of our listeners have downloaded the show and i assume listened to it in my opinion because the news is preposterous and yeah. people are busy they can't do what i do which is spend like four hours a day trying to figure out what it's really means yeah. and then i'll say oh this is that and it's gotten to the point where between binkley and me we're often often saying something that comes out the next day not because we yeah. read it early but because it's like oh they're setting us up for this i mean yeah. that's how fast it's start going. to see the source code and it yes exactly <laughs> and it and it makes no sense it just it makes it's like how come everybody can't see it exactly yeah. how come everybody can't see it it was it was so funny like just in, <laughs> that's such a great analogy my <laughs> radio show used to open with with uh you can take the red pill yeah. Or you can take the blue pill. But that was my, <laughs> my radio show for eight and a half years open with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's, that's the thing. Once you take 
the red pill, you, you start to see it. It's so funny. You can absolutely see it. God, I mean, I it's, that. it's, I, I love talking about the matrix every now and then just because even though they hate it, I, I, they changed their names. It used to be the Wachowski brothers and it was Andy and Larry Wachowski. And now it's Lana and something Wachowski. They're, because they, both, they don't like they the both transitioned groups? they both transitioned oh, to girls really yeah so they're both they're both transgender like now identity to to shield your identity easy way to change your identity but um the last name i'll give them away they don't like their own movie now it's not that they don't like their their own movie they don't like that mintress moldbug that guy i mentioned earlier started using the word red pill in the way yeah. that it's used now. Yeah. And so when Elon Musk got on to Twitter and said something about taking the red pill, and then Ivanka Trump pretended to be red pilled and said, she's so blue pilled. Let's, I mean, give me she's a break. Blue. But she, she agreed with, with the Elon Musk. And then uh, one of the Wachowskis jumped on Twitter and was like, um, how about fuck you or something like that. Something really original. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and then, of course, as soon as she said that, every everyone praised at the at oh, her brilliant response. Can I just tell you how much I absolutely detest when people I call it dismissing instead of refuting or yeah. just just the the stupid course. But I'm a vulgarian to the core. But just <laughs> but the answer is never fuck you. <laughs> I mean, unless you're trying to be funny, you know what I mean? But the well, actual answer is usually has a <laughs> some content. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like I, for the most part, have given up on arguing with people. Oh, yeah. No. Like neither. it's, I, I can't, care. I don't have, I, I don't I have care. time for that at all. So, so you know, they, like if I'm dismissive, it's on purpose. And I, I quote tweet so that people can see that I'm making fun of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I try no, not I mean, to do that. I'm a totally non-confrontational I don't mean to be in this at all. It was completely an accident. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Like these, the people are not, the arts are like, they're not exactly the same as the corporate media, but you know, the, the Hollywood is a, just a bunch of agents yeah. that Here's are set thing. to push I, certain things. I'm disappointed. It's like you said, they said it used to be good. I'm disappointed that it's not even good anymore. I mean, yeah. right, my example is The Quiet American. <laughs> the Quiet American, I read it and it was good. I'm not a big literature person. I like sci-fi, but I can appreciate yeah. literature. If I'm, if I'm in the right state of mind, I don't have any worries, which is never nowadays, but back in the day before I had kids. So I read The Quiet American. It was clearly not from my political viewpoint at all. I could tell that it had an agenda. It had a psychological perspective on the world that was alien to me. And it was still really good. And I yeah. thought, okay, I, as long as my propaganda that's buried in art is delivered in good art, like maybe rock and roll was, if you read yeah. uh, weird scenes. Canyon. And then years later, I went back and looked, and was it Graham Greene? Or I don't know, whoever wrote it, I think it was Graham Greene, was an MI6 agent. He was an MI6 agent. It was real CIA propaganda, real propaganda. And I and I loved it. I was like, this is good stuff. I mean, I know I'm being propagandized, but you know, it's a little propaganda between friends. Yeah, I mean, like the the, the well, that's the thing. I think with the press, the credibility 
used to be higher, which made it so that it seemed like it was good. It used to be good. They used to have some law that made it so that you had to have both sides' opinions That's talking the at the same time. And not just- That's what Trump wants. <laughs> It was, a, it was a left thing now. Trump wants it, but it's still going to be a left thing. It's still going to be a but, left thing. And I think that what has really changed things has been the, ad, the advent of social media. Because the press can no longer, it's not newspapers once a day every morning. It's not uh, an hour of news every, every night before bed. There, there's plenty of news on, the, on TV still. There's plenty of articles but social media is faster and people can see them and catch them in their lives so much quicker that it's easier to, to call them out and let that mask drop just a little bit. But does that mean in any way that we're less controlled? Oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're, I think there's an upside. I do think that there's hope. I like to, because I, I have to hold on to hope. Otherwise, I, yes. I go to dark it's, I places. I think it's a sin not to have hope. I think uh, despair <laughs> is one of the unforgivable, there are two unforgivable sins, presumption and despair. <laughs> so, But yeah, so I, I, I see every time you see someone break out of the programming, that is a little tiny glimmer of hope that not everyone that is it, controlled. You're right, that's happening now. Yes, it is. And now, so with, with social many. media, yeah. yeah, well, when it, when it's like, and, and what's weird is when there are people that are on the left that are like red pilled leftists and it's only because of how they treated Bernie Sanders and they're not fully red pilled, but they have a little bit, they have a little bit of a taste, just like what was big for me and for a lot of people that came into uh, libertarianism when I did was that John Stewart of all people yes. put out that put out that little thing about Ron Paul where they would talk about so who true. came in in first and who, who came in third, but they'd forget to mention that Ron Paul came in second. And he actually came in first. It came out in June, much later that he came out first. And that's how I know Trump is fake. Right. Well, because they didn't do that to him. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's what's so, th- th- there are these little red pills that you can take along the way. Mm-hmm. And right now, social media has become a place where, red pills are born because people are now seeing the malfeasance of the press in different ways. Covington Catholic, that whole situation, yes. huge red pill for people. Wow. Uh, what was that? They was lost that? control of that. That was one narrative they lost control of. And right. I, I do not see that very often. And I thought Lori Lachlan was going to be the other one, but they, they got her. Lori Lachlan was, was completely innocent. I'm sure. And I don't like, no, she was if, complete. She was conned <laughs> out of $500,000. But, but I mean, even, even if she was innocent, why would I care? And who cares? It's a private school. Yeah, who was I getting mean, somebody who was a YouTube star to go to their film school? Why the fangul would they even make her pay anything? It's stupid. But I just like, thought that it. would be another thing where she would, but there was no way. They had too much time to get around that. They were not going to What was that last go. Supreme Court justice? I forget his name off the top of my head. Kavanaugh. The one that just got. Oh. Yeah, Kavanaugh. Like that was a red pill for people. Why? Not because they saw the left fighting very openly in dirty ways. Dude, they are, don't know the half of it. I think the right set that up. Well, they may have, but even if, even so, they they accidentally red pilled some people. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. I agree with you. Like there there are, there are some people out there who, because, and they're also different. There's different, like a, there's a, a spectrum of red pilling. Totally. 
which eventually turns black, which you don't want. But, <laughs> but like the, there are people that I know who will now talk openly about how dirty the press is and how bad this is because of Kavanaugh. And then there are the ones on the left, like uh, what's his name? Tim pool. Who is he, he's like a little independent journalist. He covered, he's from the left. He covered like Occupy the Occupy protests. Oh yes. Back yeah, in yeah, the day. Yeah. yeah I, and, I get confused by him because sometimes I'll like tune into it. He'll, I'll be like, wow, that's interesting. And I'll tune into it and I'll be like, wait, yeah. what? Communism? Yeah. He's, he's like, <laughs> he, he's one of those guys that I yeah. don't listen to because I get pissed off no. all the time. Cause yeah, he's but this close just, to being red pilled. I keep he's thinking like, that he's close. somebody I need to know about. And then I listen, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I can't listen to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and that's, that's my frustration is because he's like, he's literally just inches away from actually seeing the programming and he's just not taking Well, maybe you need a guy like that on the left Ma- to get I mean, people closer. Yeah. I mean, I, we need those kind of guys everywhere. But. You talk about the matrix and I think that's a great, fantastic metaphor. And then demolition man, I'm not even sure it's a metaphor. Like I actually think that's just what's happening. And, and the thing about that and a lot of these, that both of those movies, has yeah. the tunnel people, has the mm-hmm. tunnel people. And, and guy, my, one of my favorite tweets, Dean, sent me a couple, I think it was a couple of years ago. It was a training video for soldiers. Maybe it was just last year. And it, had, it was preparing them for how to deal with tunnel cities. Hmm. When people, yes. And, e- and Elon Musk started that uh, boring company to dig tunnels a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, maybe, I don't know. I don't trust him, but I just- Well, I mean, he's, I think, he gets paid by the government. Why would I trust him? Yes, right. And I think he had, <laughs> I did a thing. I cannot find it. It really pisses me off. He's fascinating gotten, though. Might've gotten wiped when I got deplatformed off of WordPress, but I had 10, the 10 big, big tech guys, the richest 10 big tech guys. And every one of them, I could find one degree of separation from military industrial or the, the mm-hmm. military intelligence, except for Steve Jobs. And then upon digging a little deeper, and I don't necessarily think there's a connection, but a coincidence, his actual biological father, who did not raise him, was a CIA agent in Syria. So I was like, wow, <laughs> who knows? But maybe it's just in the genes. But my point is that if or the reason I was thinking about the tunnel people is yeah we, we maybe we're getting red pills, but the red pill people live in the tunnels. They do mm-hmm. win the battle eventually, but I think they're prepared to accept twenty percent tunnel people, and I think they kind of like them because they keep everybody else scared. So yeah. if we're all homesteading and they have sustainable cities, we're going to be past the past the buffer zone where there was a nuclear accident, you know, and yeah. never go out there. So maybe we get to live there with our apple trees and stuff. Maybe they actually nuke it. <laughs> I don't know. But in any case, the, they will tell legends of the people who live beyond the, you know, beyond yeah. where the electric car stops. I, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not fantasizing. I'm, I'm painting a picture. <laughs> you know, I don't mean that. I mean, I'm not making a fan, a fantasy, like yeah, a I sci-fi gotcha. thing. I'm saying, uh, maybe if I am. Maybe I'm just trying to be metaphorical. If we're going sci-fi, let's do The Moon is a Harsh yeah. Mistress. <laughs> okay. Yes. I, I always did want to name my show Manny, my, if I had ever had a company, Manny O'Kelly Enterprises. <laughs> but uh, um, that but guy, no, that Island, was... was associated with the intelligence too. Oh, yeah. 
sadly. But was he was also Alistair a fascist Crawley. at different points in his oh, life? Oh, was he? L. Ron Hubbard, like, Alistair Crawley, ugh, Jack Parsons, all, the all of them, all of the, people. all of them. But yeah, I just I wonder in so far as I don't think they have that level of control. But I think yeah. what they do when you look at these things, they seem to scenario out a whole lot of possibilities of what happens if and when and how do we prepare for it. And I just, I wonder if, I mean, they know damn well what happens when they do these things, some people figure it out. And I think they, they, they have to roll with the punches and maybe there is some hope, but I think they do prepare. They're ahead of us. Yeah, well, and I think, but at the same time, I think one of the, the state and the intelligentsia, all they're, one of their greatest assets is the fact that they have the veneer of safety and peace and comfort. Whereas when you take a red pill, mm -hmm. your life's no longer comfortable. It's no longer like I, when you start to see the source code, it's like, oh, I, oh my God, I can't go back to when I was like, everything's fine. Yeah. And the and president is a good in, thing. It makes you feel vulnerable. Yeah. It's, Especially it's, if you do stuff like we do. You yeah. tell people about it. Say, <laughs> shut up. Are you stupid? Like, I, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I think it's well, and that's the thing. It's it's one of those it's one of those things where it's freeing, but in the most terrifying way. Yes, and and I'm even thinking there's another level of it. So my the scales fell off my eyes for that. And every once in a while, like I find something that I didn't even know existed before. It's like that yeah. movie, old school. Like <laughs> I thought maybe. Maybe something we didn't even know about, about the waitress's underwear. Like, <laughs> and everyone looks at him like he's crazy. Like, I thought, I thought we were in the nest. I thought we were, I thought it was safe here. <laughs> but yeah, so maybe it's something I never even thought about. And then I talked to this guy, Bellamy Fitzpatrick, who Pete Quinones gave me, uh, did an interview with him. He's a green anarchist, gave me the heads up. And so I talked to him and I'm actually going to go hopefully drop in on him. He lives in New York and I'm going to visit my mom and I might just like check out what permaculture is. And I'm from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. I was raised in the suburbs, but my eight okay. older brothers and sisters were raised in Brooklyn. I mean, I, if, if you have grass, I do not consider that you live in a city. My cousins from <laughs> Brooklyn call New York, Manhattan, the city. I mean, that's how city, city, city. <laughs> so I'm not a country girl. But this thing, seeing how vulnerable we are to them cutting off food, water, supply chain, everything. And then, and you know, I used to walk around saying, I don't deserve this. I can't build a house. I, I can't build a car and I enjoy all these things. And maybe I should just shut up and take the system the way it is. And it just occurred to me finally, I was like, you know what? I might have to build a fucking house. I might have to, you know what I mean? Learn how to ride a yeah. horse. Maybe because I don't, I didn't build all that stuff. So I don't, I, I don't, it's not that I don't have the power to say it's mine, the right to say it's mine. I don't have the power to own it Yeah. because I can't keep someone from taking it from me, the tax man or whoever. Right. So I've gotten to the point where I feel like my eyes have been open again. And I feel like as an obligation to my children or myself, or just to stand like a man, I've got to figure out how to grow a tree. Well, yeah, and it's like we we lived. In, I lived in Allentown, Pennsylvania, for about seven months before I had enough of city. Because for, because I'm <laughs> not. A, I I I am from Alabama. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama, born and raised. Wow! But, nice nice job on the accent. 
Although that, <laughs> I miss accents. Accents are so cute and they're going away. Yeah, well, it, part of what my, with my accent is I wanted to speak and act and do stuff like that for a living when I was a dumb kid. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with I, that. It comes I'll, in handy. I, you know, I, I wanted to, I did a lot of like impressions and stuff like that. I don't do a lot anymore except for every now and then I'll go, China. But, um, well, so, that you know, like, explains you're very skilled. I've noticed that you're at Waco and, uh, Ruby Ridge stuff. Really, it, it red pilled my son. Really? Yes. And I wow. had not. I didn't, but you did. How do you like that? That's so, awesome. And your delivery I got, I got is fantastic. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, it's so fantastic. The delivery, everything, fantastic. The effort and the talent. I was so, really loved it. Really. Thank that's you. why I told, I gave it to everybody. You're just like, who? you're the one who said who is Monica Perez. And then you're like, she's driving a whole lot of listens to me. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what's funny. I keep asking, because me and my friend Ryan run our little network. I keep asking him, can I please have my download numbers? Because he has to do something to get them. And I'm like, I haven't seen a single download number off of any of my red pills. I have no idea how many wow. people have listened to them. Oh my gosh. That is All crazy. I know is that when I've been on Twitter a few times, I've had random people be like, when's the next red pill coming out? And I'm like, Man, because I've I've been trying to work on different ones. I'm gonna actually because I was gonna do um, OKC next. Yes, that would be the next one. That would be the the natural next one. But I have fourteen hundred documents that I need to sift through. That's why and, it's so impressive what you did. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, because so, that's the that's the skill. It's a pain in the butt, but I, I saw because that's even more than I had for Waco. Like I have raw documents because um, oh, what's his that, name? Uh, Scott Horton. Yeah. Oh, really? shared his yeah. shared some stuff. With Thibodeau me. had the case, had an actual lawsuit, right? So yeah. So it's right? you know. So I have. Wasn't it? I, I was going to do that. Trinidad. 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 Sorry, he had a lawsuit in that. OKC must yeah. have a lot of legal documents because of Trinidad's lawsuit. Is what I'm guessing. Uh, there's there's legal documents. There's um, newspaper articles. There's photos that I'd never seen before. There's just a lot of stuff to pour through. And by the time I got to the end of Waco and I looked at that, I was like, I cannot get this out before the anniversary. And so I've decided to actually spend real time in that one and go deeper since it's not quite as clear cut as Waco was. And then next, I think I'll do it. I'll re release it on, was it 419? Yeah, 419 of I next year. Uh, yeah, because it was the day before Columbine. Because Columbine, they had planned it for the same day as the o Oklahoma City bombing. But then they did it a day later on Hitler's birthday. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I, I think it's worth taking whatever time you need to make it perfect. Because yeah. that is that is the the value added. This is what I always felt my value added was on the radio. When I go back to listen to my radio show, it's nowhere near as good as my podcast because I was just too stressful to have all those people from a different ideology jumping down my throat. But but the value yeah. I added, I felt, and was the benefit of having people from a different ideology hearing this perspective they never hear, which I felt was not quite red pill, but head in that direction. Yeah. But that. I could explain complicated things that intimidate people very simply because I always just think of it in the context of 
our lives, what's important to us. And in order to do that, you have to have a real deep understanding of what you're talking. I don't understand a lot of different things, but I do understand yeah. that. I was kind of raised on that. And if you're starting with a subject like this, which is a factual event thing, to really absorb all of that information to the point where you can synthesize it and explain it very simply, you have to understand there's so much more work goes into it than it sounds oh my God. like. That's the genius yeah. of it, but it's, it's just, that's why like, not a lot of people do it. What's his name? Uh, Ruby Ridge didn't take much time at all. That's so cut and dry. You know, I mean, I, I think I spent probably two weeks on that one. And then I spent two months on Waco before wow. I got it all out. Really? Yeah, I started, yeah. by the time I, I put out the first one, I think it was like end of February. And I, or maybe that was the last one. I can't remember at this point. Yeah. But I had started January 1 on Waco. And you started putting them out before you were finished them all? Yeah. Because okay. I, well, and what, what happened was it was going to be two parts. And then I got through the first part where I really wanted to explore Koresh. And then I was like, okay, so that's 20 minutes. And then I looked at what my second part would have been. And I was like, that's going to be 40 minutes. I can split it up and <laughs> give myself I, a little more time. <laughs> I coined a phrase. I was on tinfoil hats, Sam Tripley. I love him. And they, he likes topics, and I brought this concept of created person like Stacey Abrams, but also sacrificial wolves, I call them, sacrificial wolves like mm. Bill Cosby or yep. um, Harvey Weinstein, people who are totally unsympathetic, Alex Jones, totally unsympathetic and can be the person who, against whom the state acts sets a precedent that no one will defend against. And yep. when you and it's very hard for people to pull back and try to to take somebody who isn't a hero and mm -hmm. defend him. So when you started the Waco thing with this is what the guy's doing, I don't know what he was doing with the little kids. I don't know what his story was. I mean, am I yeah. wrong? I think you started that. You weren't you weren't yeah. saying that he this guy was some kind of hero victim. Yeah. But he yeah. was a victim. Yeah. You know, he, he well, was that, that was way, what was important. No, it was yeah. good. Yeah, it was good. And it really changed. I see, I got goosebumps again. It really <laughs> changed my way of thinking about that. Just remember, you have to always remember that. Like when I read Ted Kaczynski's book, I loved it. And I was like, this guy's a fucking murderer, you know? So <laughs> yeah. then I read, somebody recommended a good biography of him, Harvard and the Unabomber, which started with that. It's like everybody in history, whoever killed a a bunch of people said they were doing it for the good of humanity. I, I never defended the fact that he killed people. Yeah. But it, you have to just always remember, you cannot have sympathy at all. I, you, you can't sympathize with the person. You don't need to sympathize with the person in order to understand those important principles that keep us all safe. And that is the rule of law, equal treatment. It has to apply even to the sacrificial wolves or, I mean, that's why they do it. They do it to well, set a precedent. And th that, that point of conversation actually makes me think about um, Candace Owens, who I'm mm -hmm. sure you know about Candace Owens. Yeah. She came out talking about like just trashing George Floyd after he was killed by the police. Um, saying, you know, he, he's, they've made him into a martyr. He pointed a gun at a pregnant woman's belly years ago, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is not important. He may have. 
But the fact is he was unarmed and killed by police. And that is the only fact that we need to deal with. And, and I, I had an, an actual argument with someone in my group because I had said that I said, it doesn't matter. I support George Floyd. And they're like, do you support, do you, so what do you support about the man? I was like, it's not about the man. I support people who have been killed by the police, by the state, et cetera. I'm going to stand with them no matter what. That's what it is. If you are, and I, I struggle with, I don't like cops. Like I just, I just, I, I, I used to, I used to be that horrible conservative child that whose parents raised him on Ronald Reagan is the next, the thing just below Jesus, you know, like I used to be that guy, but I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I can't, I can't justify that love anymore because the last time I called the police was because the woman in the apartment right, right above me, this was a couple several years ago was being beaten by her husband, like very clearly. And I said, you know, I need to give an anonymous tip. This is what's happening. I don't know what to do. You know, this was before I had come to terms with the idea that, you know, if you call the cops, you better be okay with the person on that you're calling them on dying at the end of the yes. exchange. And, and actually every woman I've ever known who's had a domestic violence situation like that has gotten into as much trouble as the guy with the law. I never knew anybody who died, but I've known three women who the cops were called because it was a domestic situation and both parties were charged. Three women. But what happened with me was I called them and then it was anonymous. You know, we won't even take your phone number. Okay. All right. And then they, they pull up into the apartment building and they call me. It's like, I thought you didn't save my phone number. And they were like, oh, well, you know, this is for safety. Okay. Um, what's going on? What do you need? And they, they were like, we don't know where the apartment is. You told us the address, but we can't find it. Could you come outside and point it out to us? And my ignorant ass went outside and pointed it out and he saw me. And so from that point on, I was harassed, threatened, etc., by this man that I tried to help when his wife was being beaten by him. There are like the, you know how on your car you have the front windshield wipers and there's that piddly little one on the back. Yeah. Mine doesn't work because at some point during the night he had walked out and snapped it. Wow. They like, are tricky. They are tricky. They will trick you. And yeah, they're allowed so the, to. The, the last time I called the, the police on pe- on someone trying to help someone was the last time I called police on anyone. Yeah, well, I was raised a little differently in that my father would not allow anyone to call the cops ever for that reason. He was like, that yeah. is, that you should have the courage to stand up. Now he would say people would call each other on whatever, some, they're making too much noise. And he said, you know what? If you want them to turn it down, you got to go over there and you have to knock on the door and tell them that, uh, you don't like it and you have to just stand up like a man like that. Yeah. And, and I'd always do it for that. Yeah. This was just my wife begging me. <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. Call the police. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was my experience always was to never do that. But then when my husband came to, when we got married and he saw something he didn't like across the street, he said, I'm going to call the cops. And I said, Oh, whoa, <laughs> never. If you, and then I just explained it to him and he just had, it had never occurred to him before. So he never, ever did it again. You know, like he, 
he was like, oh, you're so right. I mean, if I have a problem, yeah. I just have to go talk to the guy. I mean, that's just yeah. ridiculous. And, and a, a lot of times, actually, people, that is better because you didn't understand or you can come to terms with each other or they know that it bothers you. They didn't even know. It just, it enhances community to actually insert this foreign element. They mean to. That's what I think social security is for. That's what I think welfare is for. I think all this stuff is for having this outside party. I almost, I also think that bombing foreign countries and having them, having, dispersing these uh, refugees everywhere, disconnects them from their community, that they always have to go to the state for everything. There are no mm -hmm. resources. And that's what the argument is. We need a safety net. We need a safety net. Look, why does it have to be a safety net that was created for you at the cost of somebody else's being robbed at the point of a gun? And that safety net is a time. It's just like this whole bailout thing. The safety net part is this tiny little thing to convince you that government is necessary. And 99% of it or 90% of it is going towards uh, the in this case, corporations, stuff like that, that, that are responsible for so much of the instability and yeah. grief that we go through. And, and those, those little things that they give you, first of all, replace what you could do on your own and, and just keep you committed to a system that, in, that really is not ideal. Yeah. Well, it's like when we move to the house that we're in now, there's like a neighborhood watch or an HOA that I don't pay any attention to whatsoever. But they came to our door and they're like, here's a welcome packet. Here's some stickers you can put on your, on your garage and on your window that say, if you see any suspicious activity, you're calling the sheriff. And I'm like, eh, no, thank you. If they come, if, if they come in here, they have to deal with me. Wow. And it'll be a lot that? quicker. Did you <laughs> yeah, say yeah. that? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> I was and like, someone was comes response? to my house. Yeah. She, 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 well, I mean, it was funny. She was like, cause this is a, we're in, we're, um, we're in Florida now and it, we happen to be in one of the more oh, conservative yeah. I areas. I was just thinking of Zimmerman. I was like, oh, Zimmerman took, took matters into his own hands and <laughs> the world did not, or Eric Holder made sure he paid for that. But yeah, I mean, this woman was like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're, we understand, we, we understand, but you could tell like behind the, we understand was like, why aren't you going along? Oh really? Cause I would have yeah. said, Thanks. Awesome. Right? Like, can I call <laughs> like, you instead? <laughs> yeah, I mean, call really? me. <laughs> so when I was married, when in that house, I moved in, first house I moved into with my husband when he said that. Not that long after that, he used to work long hours. I was pregnant. And uh, a neighbor who I didn't really know, and I realized in retrospect, my dogs barked and really was... I was not a good neighbor. But anyway, <laughs> he one night, I was... Some people were selling magazines or something say it was for a school and i there are scams like that all the time and i just yeah. wasn't aware of them and i let them in my house i would always let let people in my house and i don't know where i, I came <laughs> up with that this guy had was watching these people because he chased them out of his house and he saw them come into my house and he came over and he knocked on my door and i let him in and he gave those people what for and he chased them away but good and he kind of yelled at me too for letting him in, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, I love Texas. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was just an eye-opening experience. And that's what I mean. Like if you take away this first responder, if you stop thinking of them as the first responder, think of yourself yeah. as the first responder and them as the last responder. Yeah, why would I want to wait 15 to 20 minutes for a cop to show up when someone has a gun near my house? 
why would I want to do that? Like I was having that conversation with my mom because all of a sudden they, the left BLM, all of that has bastardized our talking points for the last decade. <laughs> yes. And they're using them now. And so my mom's responding to it going, well, why would they want to defund the police? You don't want to defund the police, do you? And I'm like, I do. And here's why. <laughs> here's the <laughs> They problem. don't. That's yes. Well, some of them do, but the people who are in power do not. But here's why I do. And I explain the, the concept of what if your neighborhood had a security guard that we, or a security company that paid for a security guard to be in your neighborhood in a place all the time. So if you have someone shooting up in your house, they're two seconds away right. rather than 15 minutes. They have to walk past you and talk to you every day. So they can't say they didn't know you. So there's less unarmed shootings of unarmed men, you know. We used to pay privately off-duty cops to drive through our neighborhood. So the regular cops, we never expected them to actually make it to our house when they were on duty, but we paid them all to come off duty. And I think they were allowed to use the cop car. But there are three things that I would take away the police if they stop infringing our Second Amendment rights, if they stop infringing on our absolute private property rights, and if they stopped creating these violent uh, subcultures with their black market prohibition laws. But the defunding the police, I think I cracked the code on that because the Republicans are pushing down from the executive order to the Senate, from Louisiana to wherever Tim Scott is from. They are wanting to tie law enforcement funding to these what they want to institute at the law enforcement level. So, so how will you become completely beholden to the feds in your law enforcement? Well, you defund it locally to appease those people, and then you accept all the federal grant money, and then you have to do what they tell you to do. Yeah, well, That's where I think it's going, actually. Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, there's always a, there's, there's always an agenda. And a, a, a way to go around, like, the, like there are people out there who are saying def, defund the police who very well mean it. And there people are, someone's going to find a way to use but it to their how, advantage. How can you defund the police? Why would you want to do that in, say you've got an inner city neighborhood with terrible schools where people really were not taught how to function in the kind of mainstream economy that they just can't, it's really unconscionable. And that the outsized profits for the people who have the smarts and the gumption to engage in the drug war that has absolutely, they are not permitted to have, they don't have the space, they don't have the leeway to have any kind of court system, any kind of gradation of how those totally valid economic transactions are adjudicated when they're genuine disputes. All they can do is just shoot each other. And then it creates a culture of violence where they they think of themselves as outside the law and everything that goes with that. But in fact, there is nothing wrong with the businesses that they're in. Right. And it is, the violence is imposed upon them. So if you live in those cities and you are not a part of that system and there is somebody out there, you're not allowed to have a gun. You're not allowed to have a gun in a lot of these cities in any yeah. kind of meaningful way. And the only person you could possibly ever ask for help, whether they're 15 minutes away or not, is that or nothing is these cops who somebody else is probably paying for, unless you're a net taxpayer, which I would say the poorer you are, you're less likely. I mean, yeah. that it's a highly regressive 
plan if you're not going to take out the things in the first place that create this violent subculture. Do you think that if you take away the police who enforce these laws, the violence stays the same or goes down? Hmm, that's a great question. I'm not sure the police do enforce those laws. I think they participate <laughs> a lot of oh, yeah. times. And, well, uh, you know, enforce. <laughs> well, what they do is they probably enforce the monopolies. Yeah. You know, by keeping, by protecting whoever, I don't know, pays them off. Um, well, I mean, that's the problem with the Fed thing, because they'll come in and enforce those laws if the locals don't. So would it... Would it all go away? I don't know, because it, is it just enforcement or is it, I think that they have to be able to enforce their own transactions in a peaceful way. Mm -hmm. They need a system. Well, there's, there's, way, there's also all of the indoctrination. What do you mean? Well, the, the people that are calling for the defunding of the police have been indoctrinated in schools their whole life, government, little government prisons. So then what are to. they, so what are you saying? I don't understand. Where, well, I'm, where I'm saying, I'm saying they have been taught to be dependent on the government from day so one. So why would they so be calling for this? Because, uh, well, why would they be calling for this? Because someone wants them to. Yes, yes. Yes, because, <laughs> because they're, because what they're being told, which isn't correct, I think, that they're literally being told that if you take the money out of the police and you put it into welfare or whatever God. program, you know, they're saying Mental these health. other programs, these other programs. Yeah. It's been since the 60s. What other programs are you saying are capable of being conceived of, implemented, and be successful that you haven't already had the time and money to put in there. But if they're saying that the, the, the existence of cops and prisons is what makes people criminals, that is true, except for that they're not focusing on the fact that it is the drug laws yeah. that create that well, no, criminal and, situation. And they're not and that, calling for those to be rescinded. Well, it's like, and that's why I said, you know, it's, it's our bastardized, it's a bastardized version of what we've been talking about. It's talking points that we can very much get, get behind if we talk about it correctly. Yeah. But this is bastardized and it's, it's frustrating because it's like, I was talking to someone the other day and uh, a friend of mine that was in college, I went to college with, and he's like very much Black Lives Matter. And he was like, uh, do you want to defund the police? And I'm like, have you ever talked to me? <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> like, <laughs> have you ever, if, I, that is exactly what I want. And, and then I further along in the conversation, he was like, well, you know, I have seen you talk about some things here and there. He's like, well, why don't you ever mention the race aspect? I'm like, cause it's a power problem. Uh, that's how I see it. Like, yes, there's some race stuff that goes on. Absolutely. That's going to happen. Humanity's that way. But the problem is the power that we've given people to get away with the stuff they've been getting away with for too long. The, a couple of things I wanted to, address is that the, the answer they're proposing by moving the money from the police to moving the money into these programs is, so I'm thinking about what, what, what are the problems they're talking about? And a, a lot of the problems have to do with the drug war, but that's not the only mm -hmm. thing. There's also the problems with welfare and the perverse incentives they have to break up families 
There's mm-hmm. also the terrible school system and why anyone would ever keep going. They wouldn't. It doesn't actually teach them what they need to know to, to function in a different way from how they've, what they're witnessing in their own inner cities, I, I imagine, is the main area where these are problems. And, and by making these systems come in that are even more dependent yeah. and less self-actualizing, that is keeping the dysfunction in the subculture. And then, and then when you have laws, I always look to, when you have laws that actually apply to different races differently, those are race laws. Yes. And I'm not worried about it because I'm white. I don't think it's going to work against me. I'm worried about it because they aren't there to help the people who think they're there to help them. And I just made a point on the, my daily show today, the GOP law that came down or bill that's coming down is exactly like what Obama wanted. And it's having more minorities in the police. And I, that's fine. If you want to match your demographic with your demographic, I can understand the logic behind that. But I also pointed out that when you, when you go to the DMV, when you fill out welfare, when, um, there, these the bailouts are going to focus on kind of inner city minority business loans and everything. When they're getting every, they are trying to get that could overwhelm every minority or at least the African American community, where every single one of the people in that community in the middle or lower classes would be completely dependent on the government for yep. all of their income their livelihood, their food, their future, their medical care, everything. And that is totally disempowering. Not only is the message disempowering, but that is making you where the only change you can get then again is to beg, is to beg for a change. And you to throw a fit if, if you can't get what yeah. you want. And, and you don't overcome, the way to overcome, the way to get out of a, a powerless situation is what I was saying. I feel totally powerless. I can't, I can't be sure I'm going to get Reject food. the situation. I got to grow a tree, man. Yeah. Like that's Agorism. my only hope. I look around and I'm like, I don't know how to control the thing I'm worried about, except for I could actually still, it's not too late, learn how to grow a tree. I'm not suggesting that for other people, but I'm just yeah. saying you got to look at the power problem and not ask the people who are causing the problem to give you a solution. Right. Accept the solution they're offering you because it's probably working for them and not oh, working it, for you, and it will keep doing that. Well, yeah, it, it, the end point of this is absolutely going to be more centralization. Totally. I mean, that, that's the only way this goes. And it's, it's funny because you see all of this happening, and it's like you have these people that from the libertarian sect who have been talking about the Boogaloo for – what a year, a couple yeah. of years now, and then didn't do anything. And then suddenly someone else starts it and some of them go off and play Boogaloo. And then others, it's like, it's like they're taking all of these ideas and just doing them badly. It's like the autonomous zones. I could be all about an autonomous zone, but the last two autonomous zones I could think of, like off the top of my head, when I hear this was Waco and Ruby Ridge. Right. <laughs> what happened there? Right. When, well, that, that's the point <laughs> is that how does it catch fire? How does, I don't mean literally, I mean, how does, how do the ideas catch fire? How does something go viral? They, that's the downside of the social media internet thing is they have total control over suppressing how the visibility or promoting the visibility of that stuff. 
the way the government reacts to it, they're not they're not capitulating to lockdown protests. They're capitulating yeah. to this thing for whatever reason. Well, I think part of me is still holding on to the idea that coronavirus was a stress test and George Floyd was the, the bursting of the bubble of that stress. It was just what people needed to blow up and well, I think get out of their houses. I think they, they have been holding back. I wondered, I actually wondered if the George Floyd video was old not mm. totally current because yeah. I didn't see any masks except for one guy had a mask, but that could have been kind of deep faked, I suppose. But I just wonder, I, I don't really believe that. I don't care about it. I didn't look into it, yeah. but I'm just saying, I feel like they were, they, they, there have been plenty of incidents like that, that didn't light a fuse. And they knew that this, I always said, you're never going to have that big, big uprising while people are not hungry. And with the lockdown, they get that, got that money out right away. So people weren't hungry. They made sure that people did not get off the couch for that meal, that one meal away, three missed meals away yeah. from revolution. They made sure that people weren't in that position. They controlled that energy the way they took the Ron Paul energy that they completely suppressed, as John Stewart pointed out, and they gave it to Trump without all the content. Yeah. So this has a lot of content. They've been building that content. That content is both real and exploited and more universal than it's being presented. But they, I think they, ha they knew they could blow that keg. And basically, even just because people wanted to get out. Yeah. So that's you got I a lot. You could get the bodies out there because they just were bored. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying the people really active, but I'm saying like you could actually show masses of people because they were kind of allowing it. And then the reports were feeding back that no, nothing really bad was happening. Yeah. Well, and, and that was what when I talked to with Kim and Thaddeus in that last episode is I think that there are a lot of people that are out there right now or I think it's died down some, but there were a lot of people out there for the George Floyd protests because they couldn't do what they wanted to do because of coronavirus for so long. Right. I mean, there were, were videos. They normally busy. Yeah, there there was a um, uh, a video, I think out of, um, it may have been Central Park, but out of New York where people were having these protests and then you'd see videos after the protests. It was just a block party. Or like the, um, there was a, um, it, there was a, a little, uh, I think it was one of the Orthodox, not Orthodox, what are they called? The, um, the Jews Hasidic? with the curls. Yeah. Hasidic? There was a, Has a Hasidic like birthday party and they, they wanted to do it in public. So they, they made signs that said black lives matter so they could do their birthday party wow! outside. Wow. No way. That's funny. <laughs> and that's then, you very know, New York kind of thing. I think as soon as you said they were having a block party, it's like, that's so New York. And it's such a great idea. They got to have their block party. And, and the people who are doing the protests are, are I'm sure happy to have, I would, if I were arranging yeah. something, I'd be happy to have my numbers augmented by people who, just, you know, happy to be there doing something else. Happy to throw my name in the same hat as yours if you want. Win-win. <laughs> I'm interested yeah, I mean, to listen to that episode. <laughs> your last episode. You should. I'm, I'm going to listen to it right away. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's just yeah. so much right now. Like, when I, like I said, I was talking to my mom and I told her what I thought would be a better setup for police. And she was like, and she was like, I don't know. I mean, we need, we need the police. And I was like, well... Um, I took a line from, I forget who, what, who it was. It was probably Michael Malice, but he had said that the same arguments, the, sa the arguments 
the same arguments against single payer healthcare are the same arguments you should use against single sing, single payer security. Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> and for the same reasons. Because, and I was going to say, this is an everybody's oh, all this is what all libertarians always just talk about insurance. It is insurance. The government yep. is simply a, a an insurance plan that would be illegal. Like it, it is so corrupt that it would be illegal if an insurance company took your money and did not guarantee you restitution if you yeah. were uh, aggrieved according to the terms of the deal. So they are they if they had an if they had ownership of the payout and had to pay out if you were injured, things would be a lot safer. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the fact that, you know, the people who judge those who hurt citizens are also the state. And I mean, every time someone gets in yes, trouble, yes. if it, you know, it's, it's all tied back in like this people, someone was messaging me the other day and they were like, what do you think about this new Supreme court decision? And I was like, when was the, when's the last time you thought I gave a shit what the Supreme Court did? <laughs> right. Because it's just the government giving power to the government to do what the government wants. I don't, like, I don't even think the Supreme Court should have the power. I disagree with Marbury no. versus Madison. They should, oh, I don't think that has the power. So I, I think the answer to congressional malfeasance or unconstitutional law was just implicitly, yeah, well, who's going to enforce it? There's no federal enforcement. The states are just not going to enforce unconstitutional laws, state nullification. And right. then I started looking into where did the DOJ come from? And it was established after the Civil War to force the southern states to obey federal law. Can you yeah. believe that? I can believe it. I'm from Alabama. <laughs> of course you can believe it. But I just, I was <laughs> like, wow. It all, it just validated my sense that, that the, that the, the remedy to unconstitutional law was inherent in the structure of the yeah. system. It oh, well, yeah. And that's addressed because it was unenforceable. Yeah. And well, and that's, I used to be, before I like fully embraced the concept of volunteer voluntarism or anarchism or agorism, I, I was, the, I have to finish my new libertarian manifesto, but I think I'm going to go. Is it agorist? But, or some people say agorist. People say agorist. agorist, but it sounds gross to me. So I go with agorism. Agor. I'm going yeah, with agorist. Yeah, something sounds gross. And I'm ready. But, um, anyway, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I do. But no, before that, I was like big time constitutionalist guy. Like I was the guy that was on Facebook where people would be like, what do you think about this thing? And I'd explain to you why it's not actually constitutional. And now I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I always have a constitution within reach. I'm okay with the Constitution. I prefer the Articles of Confederation, but absolutely, it's I. If there's a if there if you could have, if the consent to be governed thing, if it's a social contract, if that has any validity whatsoever, which totally does not. But I didn't I sign would, shit. Yeah, I would. I would actually sign it. I would take that compromise. But they're not. They've defaulted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, I mean contract. And... It, this doesn't exist anymore. I will continue to read it to them because whether I like the contract or not, whether I inherited it or not, whether anybody ever signed off on it or not, at the very least, I should have my half of it. You know, I should have yeah. my end of it, and they don't give me my end of it. So I'm going to well, at least and... defend it. Oh yeah, and that was that was that's one of those things that most people don't understand the Constitution at all, like this was the constitution was never it was never even a a contract that we entered into it was states creating the federal government i mean there's so much to it 
Yeah, I used to, uh, someone. I, I used to talk about it all the time, and someone the other day said something about about it, and I was like, I had to fight myself because that old part of me started coming out, and I was like, no one cares that this is an unconstitutional thing at all. They're just talking about the ideas of it. <laughs> Let them talk. Yeah, and and the thing is, uh, I would think that everybody would at least acknowledge. First of all, they just have to read it. That's yeah. all. But they that they would acknowledge that we this is the thing, right? If you believe in government, yeah. unlike us few, if yeah. you believe in it, which basically everybody who votes, you know, 120 million people or whatever, believe in government, I assume, why would they show up? This is the government. I'm pointing to my constitution, yeah. which is in my hand. It's always <laughs> like right here because I like to fight fire with fire if that's what it takes. Oh, but yeah. If they, if they, if they believe in governments, this is the government. This is that's it. their Bible. So let's read it. You know, <laughs> the left and the right, everybody should read it. So when everybody hated Trump, I was like, read the Tenth Amendment. Just yeah. read the Tenth Amendment. Your problems are solved. You're on my side now. Oh no, we need the UN. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's it's one of those things where like I've become more and more disenchanted that's when with fuck it. Fuck you is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I've just become so disenchanted with the Constitution because the only people I think that are worth having a conversation about the Constitution with are the Republicans who call themselves constitutionalists so that I can point out that they're not constitutionalists. <laughs> That's the only time yes. that I think it's fun. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and now it's more fun than ever. I, I, said to, I said on my show, everybody calls the president the commander-in-chief. But he's only the commander in chief when called into actual service. Yeah. And he hasn't been called into actual service because the con Congress has to do that through declaring war. And that's Which they the haven't done right, since many decades. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. somebody I know told his uncle and then texted me. And I hate this when people like invoke my name and then tell somebody else and then don't remember my argument and then get me to get in there and yep. try to have an art. I was like, that's don't, why I stopped because people would tell me and stuff. Argue. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> I don't argue. So, but it was funny cause he sent me the guy's text and it said, don't quibble over semantics. This is a Republican who thinks he's a constitutionalist. Don't quibble over semantics. I'm like, Oh, well, okay. I'm not going to quibble over semantics. Let's burn the constitution right now. Let's just do that. Okay. Or let's just, let's just rewrite it from memory. Like, you know, who cares what the actual words are or, you know what I mean? Like don't quibble yeah. about semantics. This is like, can you imagine saying that, that guy saying that when it was Obama? You're nope. quibbling about semantics. <laughs> oh, I mean, I thought that's why you hated him. Isn't that the whole, I'm not a racist. He just doesn't quibble about semantics you know, on the constitution. I just think, and I don't, I don't think it, that it was erasing. I think he had extremely radical viewpoints, but it's not, sorry, I probably blew out your <laughs> audio there with my screeching. But I do, I, it is kind of crazy to me that, you know, that's the problem with Trump is now the constitution is quibbling about semantics. And they're like, how could the Congress call him into service? We're in an emergency. Like Congress is legislating its ass off right now, just so you know, while yeah. the constitution is suspended, everything but we can legislate seems to have been suspended. Everybody's violating it left and right. I'm going to quibble over the semantics. <laughs> 
you know, even Good. though I don't even believe in it. I don't even right. believe in it. I'm with Lysander Spooner. <laughs> I don't even yeah. think. Burn I it. mean, and, and Albert J. Nock in the 30s said the Constitution, they're only, whoever thumps it is the one who's going to benefit from it. And it just flips around and they do it. It's, it's, you can see it right now. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I hope so. I know I, I talk a lot. I do talk <laughs> you're a lot. Good. <laughs> you're good. You're, you're good. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> I do. I, I did want to just briefly hear what you think about the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Is that a PSYOP? <laughs> well, I, I think the people in it are there. Maybe they're, maybe they're being paid. A lot of people on Occupy Wall Street were paid. People didn't even speak English. They were getting paid to be there. So they didn't really know what their sign said, is my point. Yeah. I don't care if they speak English. I think there are some true believers in there. I of think, course. I mean, it's like, it's like when I found out that the United States gave aid also to the Palestinians. So they gave aid to Israel yeah. and they gave aid to mm -hmm. the Palestinians. I'm like, okay, I don't want to talk about who, what the, you know, such an emotional subject. I'm not going to get into it. But I just remember thinking, are you really? Paying both sides and then yep. complaining that the violence is for, is why we have to go over there. Like it just seemed like they had they had to make sure they could solve the problem for better or worse. And I'm not I'm not saying I don't think they should have given the money, but I'm just saying they could have if they really wanted to solve the problem rather than create a problem that they appear to be solving by doing something else that they wanted to do, like take over oil or whatever. So I think that their people at the top are colluding to get those people in there to justify a, a nationalization and a federalization of the police, both by having a situation that needs a national kind of police force to address in the National Guard, that's the, that's the story. And mm -hmm. then also justifying this defunding thing on the one hand as a way for the left to accept the Fed money and also as a way for the right to push the Fed money down and, and upsource the police to the federal level. So, I mean, at, at, how is it operating? I don't know, but it is, in my mind, completely meant to federalize the police. And then it's going to get RoboCop. Oh, boy. One you thing that I heard... Chaz, come chop. Yeah, they call them chop. <laughs> I hate it. I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's like I have refused since they decided to change the name to call it COVID. Okay, yeah. Because it just annoyed me. We all know what we're talking about when we say coronavirus. Why does everyone yes. have to take off it's the... the disease? <sighs> Whatever. I don't even want to... <laughs> I, I think it validates the concept that it exists by calling it that. So yeah. I always make sure I make it very clear, like it's coronavirus ruined the economy. It's like fucking coronavirus didn't do shit. What ruined <laughs> the economy was the policies. Yep, Even if there is a coronavirus that killed a lot of people. Mayors. Yeah, no, but people would go out and work. I mean, that's that. They would feed their kids. All I know is that probably my favorite headline in the last couple of days was that the Hells Angels and the Mongols have decided to drive up to Seattle together to end the, <laughs> the to end Chaz. Why? I don't know. I just, I just, I just saw the headline. 
No, they're just they just want to sell them meth to sell them crank. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, I just saw that and I was like, oh my god, if they if they take their ball peen <laughs> hammers to Chaz, I just want GoPros. That's it. Oh my god, that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, that I wouldn't be surprised if that plays into. I mean, there has to be conflict. Yeah, like conflict. in so, like in the other Waco story with the the, the bikers. What? I, I this is one that I need to I need to dig into because okay. it's crazy, but this was a, a couple of years ago, in Waco there was a um, bike event and the police there was a shooting and they I think that they threw like I don't know if it was quite a hundred but they threw a bunch of bikers into the into into prison and none of them talked so they were all let out eventually. Wow. Because they couldn't, like, wow. it, I, there's, I have wow, to look into it. Wow, really? The prisoner's <laughs> dilemma? They defeated the prisoner's dilemma? That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I read that. something about that the other day. I need to look into it, but I was like, wow. Because yeah. I, I remember hearing about it a few years ago. Yeah. And look, the, they're, 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 the thing that bugged me, though, about that situation is one of, there's a club, quote unquote, out there called, um, oh God, the Iron Order. And they're a cop club. They say they're not a cop club but they're a cop club. And so they, you can essentially join their club by just buying patches. And one time when I was down in lower Alabama, I was riding my motorcycle and one of them pulled up to me and he goes, Hey, do you want to join a club? And I looked over and I saw the iron order patch on him. And I was like, why would I join a pig club? And that boy peeled out so fast. Really? <laughs> oh, it's, are, you a, are you a hog? Are you in a, the Harley owners group? Yeah, I'm a, I, 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 I do own a Harley. I just don't pay them for the, for the, for having the group. Badges. Oh yeah. No, no. <laughs> right. Don't pay. But I grew up waking up every Sunday morning at six o'clock. My room was kind of in the basement as the youngest of nine. I was like basically in a closet and it was right next to the garage. And my father had a 66 dresser, shovel head, I think, if, I'm, if I recall correctly. And uh, he would have to warm it up for like 45 minutes before he would go for his all day ride. So at six yeah. o'clock in the morning, I mean, straight pipes right outside. And then I remember one time he said, Harley sure has a mellow sound. And, and I appreciate that, but it, it the 6 a.m. was a little early for that. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> mellow to me. Yeah, I've, I've only ever owned Harleys, and it is such a distinctive sound. I don't know if they actually yes. got the patent on it. That's exactly but, what he said. It's such a distinctive sound because he switched to Japanese bikes, and he just – that was a bummer for him just for oh, economic yeah. reasons. But apparently but I, I want to say something about that. Good. Yeah, about go the ahead. Chop thing. I think – that I'm waiting for the dialectic to really start to take a turn here. And maybe the Richard Brooks thing in Georgia is going to take a I turn. I didn't mean to ask to about that. Bad mathing his history. And the Arbery case is probably going to definitely have two sides. That's another thing in Georgia. And yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's too much. Uh, you ha the right has to be represented in the dialectic or it'll start being not controlled. So then yeah. people start saying, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know why I have to bend a knee. Like, I don't, I've had enough. Like, you're going to have people who have had enough, and then you're mm -hmm. not going to be able to control it. They have to control it by setting up the dialectic before it gets to that point, both with the defund the police thing and 
all of that. And, and they, so they're going to start pulling on threads that make the other side seem wrong or this is enough. And then maybe, maybe there'll be some violence there. Maybe you'll see that autonomous zone doesn't work and these people are calling for defund. So we've got to allow that, but we need to fund it federally. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's an event that kind yeah. of takes us to the next level. And if those guys going up there is the event, that's the event. Yeah. I'll have to well, I think it. that um, I, I, I've had a lot of conversations, but I think the most important thing is to realize for most people is they need to realize that right now we're in a blowback loop, you know, because when people like George Floyd, no matter how much media pushing there was, a lot of these protests were blowback to the police. And then the police try to take over the situation. And then what's his name? Rashad? Rashad Brooks, I think. Another thing happens. And so it's back and forth. Right now, we're go I think there's a, a, um, a blowback loop between oh, interesting. the police and the people. I just couldn't figure when out it comes this guy to got, shoot him in the back. Like under these circumstances, you'd have to be absolutely crazy or stupid. I can't believe it. That's why I'm wondering about timestamps. I just wonder yeah. if these things are really, I mean, I don't really, like I don't have any evidence for that. I didn't look into it at all, but I just, I, that just seems crazy stupid crazy stupid oh yeah well i i do th like where i'm standing just because you know i'm we saw we've seen blowback as libertarians we've talked about blowback we just don't talk about it domestically very often right exactly. like uh exactly. okc uh, okc was blowback for waco and for ruby ridge according well, to the official okay. story oh i was gonna say i think according to the fin official OKC story it was an inside job but I just mean, according wow. to the official yeah, story, yeah, yeah, it was blowback. Yes, yes. Oh, interesting. Wow, you're kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Uh, so I, I, I think I think we're in a blowback loop, and someone has to stop the loop, hmm. or things get worse. Dude, well, now I have to go think. <laughs> well, my mind. With, with that, <laughs> I think I'll let I you think... have this one. <laughs> I think that uh, I think this is a good conversation, and I think that hopefully people enjoy listening to us and David for the first twenty seconds. Yes, yes, it's always I like David. <laughs> I like his pacing, and he's always got something really uh, a different perspective. I love to hear, but yeah, super fun. I do hope I didn't step on you too much. Oh no, you're good. I, 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 and this is this is you know, inside baseball. Yeah. But when I'm having these conversations, especially when there's someone who's not a co-host, it's not about me. I'm a vehicle for conversation. So I came here for your ideas, not mine. And if I can share some and we can engage on those, win-win. Well, that you have done an excellent job at that. And I will not <laughs> go have an anxiety attack that I talk too much, but it's, I'm in the perfect business for this. Like I used to have anxiety attacks like that all the time. Like, oh my gosh, they, people can just turn it off if they don't want to hear it. So my husband's happy with that too. It's like a volume button. Who knew? I'm like, I know, you're welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and button this up. Uh, Monica, could you please tell all four of my listeners 
where they can find you online and where they should find you online. You don't know. You have a lot of listeners. You have some that those Ruby Ridge and Waco things just hit it out of the park. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear. I met Kim on David's ladies night. And uh, I don't know Thaddeus, but I'm really excited to listen to that. I, I really liked meeting Kim. So um, what I do, I have a propaganda report is kind of our brand and we do deep dives every once in a while, my co-host Brad Binkley and I, but what, what our real value added is we do a daily show called the Drive Time News Blast. It's 30 minutes of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. So you don't have to listen to the mainstream media. You can hear what's really going on and you can kind of keep up on the news like we have to do, even though we would rather not. And then there's another four, uh, 15 minutes a day if you're a patron, which you can get to patreon.com slash propaganda report. But I am on Twitter. Basically, I, I have sleeping problems. So I'm on all night. <laughs> I'm on all day. And maybe I just don't need that much sleep because I'm happy enough. But I just tweet constantly at Monica Perez show. Awesome. And anyone who listens knows just to type this is MLGA just anywhere and you'll find me. I love that. I love that. That's all I can say. Throw at Gmail behind it. You can find me. My favorite though is at MLGAnetwork.com. It just sounds so official. So pretty. Well, there's a lot of stuff there. Other stuff too that I like. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we do have, it's always hard for me to remember. We only have like five shows. I believe we, we have David's, which is the morning drive with David. We've got Lesbertarian with Kim Shang. We've got um, Thank You for Your Servers with Thaddeus Preston That's and great. Gary Guthrie occasionally. Um, we've got Techno Agorist with Ryan Burgett. Voluntary Vixens with Maddie and Jesse. I don't tell their I don't tell their last names because I know they don't want me to dox them. Right, right. <laughs> and I probably forgot one, but that's all I can remember. <laughs> yeah, no, they're all great. I, I haven't heard Thaddeus yet, but I'm on it. You should tech, check out Technoagris, though. Ryan does these oh. little short three or yes. four minute ones. Yes, I absolutely have to. I've got to open my mind to that. I'm a busy girl, so I don't know if I can start growing my own food anytime soon, <laughs> but I'm thinking about it. You know, I'm thinking about I'm getting there. I'm visualizing. That's the first step. That's all it takes. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. And again, thank you, Monica, for coming on. Thank you so and, much. It's really been a joy. And as always, Stay sane. Yeah.